minutes and 6.2 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the year of our chosen religious deity, of 2008, and welcome to the 12th in a series of days. This is the Ripped Off Show, and I am he. I am joined today by my physically pleasing and capable producer Sarabot, and the worthy news gathering machine Timbot. Today we will discuss many things, including the sexual antics of our very own call screener, Richie Bot. Many of our listeners thought that there was no way we could replace the previous model that's burned out. Yes, we all miss the Scottabot, but the Richie Bot has conveniently become relatable to the coveted male 18 to 54 demographic. Yes, it is convenient, because we lead into like this bot, and that fits right into our programming and advertising requirements. That results in times and listening, and it is good. It is good, indeed, Timbot, very good indeed. It is almost as if he is an actor, perfectly cast in the role of a young pervert attempting to hump everything that moves, just in order to provide fodder for our program. Radio is far too scrupulous for that, Ritgoff, and the intelligent audience would catch on almost immediately. I won't hear of it. Your anger is well-placed, Timbot. Radio is no business for the disreputable. Sarabot, I know that there is an awkward sexual tension between us, and that contributes to the allure of the show. But it is true that you have a constant companion, and he is a farmer bot. Yes, it is true, Ritgoff. Did I mention that we will soon board an aircraft and fly to another destination on our continent? Yes, I know. That is why I have chosen this music to make you fear your own mortality and to distrust the airplane's ability to sustain flight. You are a lovable curmudgeon, Rickbot. And the fact that you don't actually mean harm just adds to the incredible sexual tension between us. It makes the audience want to listen even more. It's a documented fact that humorous sexual tension keeps listeners tuned to their radio units. Right you are, Timbot. And it is almost time for your news hour, just as soon as we hear from Carlinbot, who is the television reviewer for that local newspaper from our area. I am saddened by Carlinbot. He doesn't seem to like to view television, and his reviews are often angry and filled with the smell of death and hate. That just endears him further to our fanatic listeners. Correct, Timbot. You have spent many years in radio and you are wise. Sarabot, perhaps Carl and Bob and you can discuss and share in a weekly recap of that one program that you both seem to watch and enjoy. You are right, Ripbot. You are always right. Let us take a break, and when we return, the female CNN Newsbot from Washington will call and I will flirt with her, even though we are both married to different partners and sadly know that it can never be... There will be regret and remorse. And possibly the top five list, even though you know we'll never really do it. Right after this. Fantastic. <clears throat> Why, hello. 
It is 9 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. All right, we can thank our good friend Randy in Las Vegas for making that little bit of comedy that for us. quite hilarious. Thank you, Randy. God bless you. All right. Well, in any event, why, hello, if you'd uh, like to join us today, it's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, what have ye? Uh, Richie is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, and the somewhat unclassifiable. Uh, he's there to do it all for you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, don't forget, today one random caller will win. The hell are they going to win? Uh, you know, I had it, and then I printed it out, and then I lost it. You know, at the end of every day's program, I have uh, I have a whole pile of stuff that I have used that day, which then goes into the trash so I don't inadvertently use it the next day. And every so often, I throw something away that I still need. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's that it's that WrestleMania 24 thing. We'll do the... I say doing a terrible disservice to the sponsor. <coughs> All right. Well, I'll find the, I'll find the copy points. We'll do it uh, correctly later. Uh, so we have... It's not SmackDown. Hey, Richie, what is that thing called we're giving away? Do you have the copy points for it? Smack up? Smack out? Smackity, smack, smack, smack? Yeah, I got nothing. All right, we'll figure it out. Well, there's, uh, so we have that today, uh, the one random caller. It's the, it's the uh, WrestleMania 24 recap DVD, an accompanying T-shirt, Backlash. That's what it is. Thank you, Richie. Uh, as well as the uh, Backlash DVD uh, from the uh, WWE, uh, as well as an accompanying T-shirt. We'll do that today to one random caller. It's 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us in the meantime, in between time. Coming up later on the day, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, will join us from New York City. We'll also have the uh, top five today, uh, top five album opening tracks of all time. Uh, top five tracks that open an album. That's coming up later on. Uh, we'll also do... This is one of those things that I saw last night, and within about 35 minutes, I got like nine different people who'd send it to me. Uh, we have 14 songs you should never play in a bar. 14 songs that never need to be played on a bar jukebox ever again. We'll also play the trailer for that G4 show, Hurl. I meant to do that yesterday, and then we can get a chance to do it. Um, oh, yeah, don't be calling. I should I should have clarified this. It's, we're not. Don't call about the, the WWE backlash thing now. It is to one random caller chosen by Richie as the day progresses. So I think what happens is, Richie, I think the way he does it is that at the beginning of the program, he picks a number. He picks a number out of the blue, and then that number caller, as the day goes on, wins the uh, thing. I think that's how that rolls. Oh, by the way, though, we're going to give away another copy of Backlash later on today when we play. It's a brand new thing I've come up with, because, you know, I can never contest. My contesting ability is woefully inadequate. inadequate. So I have, uh, but what I have created here is I have... Uh, I have two two things in my head. This is sort of like the spot the fake metal lyrics uh, contest that we used to do. So later on today we will play Goth or Not, uh, in which I read to you two terrible selections of Gothic poetry. One of which is real. One of which I wrote myself. Genius. So yeah. So later on, and, and I agonized about finding the proper background music for it too. So later on today uh, we'll play did Goth or Not. Said perfect. Oh, I did. Music. Oh, it's genius. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Wait, hold. On. Let me see if I can find it. I said it aside. We'll do this later on today for a uh, for a copy of WWE Backlash. Let's see. Where's my goth or not bit? There you go. 
like to hear a sample bit of poetry? Yes, because I'm, I'm not really seeing the music right Here's now. the thing. I'm, I'm not, not even going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you whether this is a real poem or not. A chalice full of suffering rises to my lips. I drink deeply. Do you see this pain? Do you see where I live and how? My mouth open. The ghosts of a thousand sufferings wishing to Enough. escape. Stop! <laughs> Tell me this music doesn't work. That totally works. There you go. Fantastic. It was either that or a karaoke version of pictures of you. <laughs> and I just couldn't bring myself to do that to the cure. I love them too much. All right, so there you go. So, uh, Steve Kastenbaum coming up later on the day. Top five album opening tracks. 14 songs that never again need to be played on a barroom jukebox. Uh, the trailer for Hurl. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will join us later on the day. We'll play Goth or Not uh, and a whole pile of uh, listener questions to answer here about the various and sundry things. In the meantime, it's 503-733-2970. What you should uh, join us on the phone, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970 Dot A.M. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Hello, Tim. Hello. How are you? Well, I found out that uh, my last haircut was cut with dog grooming shears. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find that out? Well, here's what happened. I went to get my haircut last night. Well, it's a funny and, story. And my long lost haircutter came back. I was happy to see her. I haven't seen her in a long time. And she goes, What happened to your hair? And I go, well, you weren't here. You left and left no forwarding address. Well, now I'm back, she said. Well, let's find out who cut your hair. So she looks it up on the computer and she goes, oh, Doris. She does know how to cut hair. Little did she know, Doris is standing right next to her with another customer cutting their hair. And then she goes, before that, I go, it was the guy with the big scissors. And she goes, big scissors? Oh, I know who that is. That's a makeup name. That's Bob. And those aren't just big scissors. He uses dog grooming scissors. <laughs> Why? It it lets him cut hair faster. <laughs> I would imagine. And, and, and so. she looked inside. She goes, "Yep, it says here he took four minutes to cut your hair with dog grooming scissors." <laughs> That's like when you're a kid and you would like your brother would give you something that he claimed was an oddly shaped cookie and it was really a milk bone. I mean, theoretically. That's so great. I asked her, "Is it legal to cut with dog grooming scissors at a place of human hair cutting?" And she, I, she says she didn't know, but he's a good friend of the owner's. Were you pondering some sort of litigious action if it was not legal? Well, I was just wondering, can you use dog grooming scissors to cut human beings' hair? Well, I suppose. I mean, clearly you can't. Thank you, Richie. Richie just brought me the copy punch for this. Uh, thank you, Richie. I, I mean, uh, I would. Didn't you get suspicious though when it only took four minutes to cut your hair? I mean, it was a good haircut. So you were pleased with the haircut that you got with the dog grooming shears? Yeah, but the last one with uh, Doris uh-huh. All uh, right. wasn't so good. So what if you, let me ask you this. So if you're happy with the haircut, what if you go back and it's that guy who's going to cut your hair again and he's up there with the big scissors? Uh-huh. Would you let him use the dog shears on you again even though you got a good haircut last time? No. Really? Just the principle of it? Just the principle of it. Uh, that you are, I am not an animal. I am a human being. And I learned that there is such a thing <laughs> as a pair of dog grooming scissors. Well, of course, because he can't use, he can't just use, like, scissors from the from the drawer in the kitchen for that. I mean, you got to use, like, they have a special, is it, what distinguishes them from normal uh, human hair shears? Are they're they just huge. larger? Yeah, they're big. All right, then. Four minutes to... I would be really suspicious if I went in and I was I mean, in and out of the chair in like... like Edward Scissorhands <laughs> working on your head. 
<laughs> That's what I was thinking of while he's cutting my... This is Edward Scissorhands feeling like like Diane Weist in some sort of a barber chair. Is it just cutting you? Well, that's great. I when did when was your hair cut by dog grooming scissors? When was this? Not the last time, but the time before that. I was going to say your hair looks great today. Well, it's because I got my regular lady back again. All right, okay. Well, I'll call uh, Florine. She does it. <laughs> Florine. I Florine? I don't want to use real names. How does the name even come into your mind? Florine. Florine. Isn't Florine on the on the periodic table between aluminum and boron? I'm not really sure, but she's, she cuts my hair very well. And you well. can see the atomic weight of Florine is 75. Okay. Well, fantastic. Florine. Oh, so some of the news stories. Yes. They're all related to gas. Well, some of them are. Three hundred gas. Gas. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Three hundred gas. They're all related to my AK, Sarah. They're all related to my problem solver called Revolver. Three hundred gallons of gasoline have been stolen from the Rose City Golf Course, and more gas thieves are hitting U-Haul lots because all those vehicles are filled up, and apparently it's easy picking. Uh, a 16-year-old member of a local faith-healing church has died after his parents used prayer instead of medicine. A 13-year-old girl leads Longview police on a high-speed chase. Pitbulls and other troublemaking dogs are being banned from a small Yakima Valley town. A McMinnville boy sues over strip searches after he and his friends spotted female classmates' posteriors. Crouching ninja bandits are robbing Florida drugstores. Uh-huh. A store clerk is assaulted with a frozen burrito. And a cook is caught with the lobster tails in his pants. <laughs> Excellent. That's wonderful. All right. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I know it's going to be difficult to top Tim's hair cutting with dog shears story, I mean, but I mean... There's nothing I can do. What are you going to do? I can say that can you right. top that. All right. How was um, your evening last night? Was it, it satisfying? Like it was good. Nothing too exciting. It was my friend's birthday party, so I went and did that. And, oh, I did my... Uh, so I did this water aerobics thing with my friend Lisa yesterday and I was it was the most exhausting tiring thing it was Lisa and I and like 15 like 70 year old ladies of course no that's it was really awesome anytime I don't know what that's all about I don't know why that is the case but anytime you're in anytime you're doing some sort of a, 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 a like a water-based exercise the old people just sort of flock and there. it was fantastic and I'm just I, I was surprised that there weren't younger people and we were next to this old this lady who was talking to us how she was turning 80 next week and she was like this hip old lady and she had like this leopard print uh, bathing suit on and she's like floating around her place she's like I can't do this the way you kids can it was really cute that's fantastic it was fun no there's nothing will kick your ass like water exercise though like any, anything in the swimming or anything like that, any exercise done on the water, it's like it becomes exponentially harder on your body, and you wake up the next day just feeling like you're made out of lead. No, and I never exercise anyway, so I mean, this is like the first exercise I've gotten in years. Well, you bicycle though. I bicycle, but I don't use like because you know when you're swimming, you use like all of your muscles. That so is I mean, true. Like, today, even lifting my arms up, it it feels very tiring. You know how many muscles I used this morning bicycling in? None. You know why? Because I didn't buy some. So there you go. So for everybody who's waiting for me to fall off uh, my diet and exercise, I haven't technically fallen off my diet regimen, except that I just haven't. Because there's the, there's the uh, you know, the diet has the two parts. It's the cutting out bad food and then trying to eat uh, well, which is sort of less important to me. Like, the eating well is not even really important. Laura and I, we went out to dinner last night, um, and uh, because I, I got home, I got, I got home kind of late, uh, and then I had, the thing is, she's sort of, I put her in charge of like like controlling my calories for the day because left to my own devices, I just eat so badly. And so I said, you know, just try to keep me at like 2,000 calories because she's like way more food-minded than I am, you know, in terms of like knowing what is good for you and what's not. 
So I said, you know, try to keep me like 2,000 calories a day, and then if I bike a few times a week, theoretically I'll lose weight, and then I won't uh, look in the mirror and be filled with such shame and hideous self-loathing. She said, okay, I'll take care of that. But the problem is she's got it so carefully regimented that if I miss even one meal, suddenly it's like I just I, I just start feeling uh, I start feeling faint and seeing dead relatives. And so she she gave me this can of soup to have yesterday for lunch. And so I'm there in the kitchen, and it's just like it's like every bad uh, it's like every bad Buster Keaton film where I'm tearing through all the drawers because I can't find a can opener. So I feel like Burgess Meredith at the end of the world in the library with my broken glasses. So I'm sitting in the kitchen going, "Come on!" Just trying to find a can opener. And it's one of those things that you know you just saw. Like, you just saw the freaking thing, like, two days earlier. So I'm in the kitchen yesterday afternoon, can't find the can opener. And then you look down and you realize that a can opener really is one of those things that you just take for granted. I mean, it's a pretty simple device. I mean, all things being equal, there's not a whole lot that's technically impressive about the can opener. I mean, it does one thing and it does it well. But you also realize that not having a that there's nothing else that can do that. I mean, if you didn't have a can opener, if you had a can of soup and I told you you had to open it, you have no can opener, what would you do to get it open? Stab it with something? With what? See, I had the same thought. Or something? But you can't stab. No, because you're going to end up stabbing your wrist with a knife, is what you're going to do. Because the knife's going to break off. I did. I, no, I don't. I don't open a lot of cans. I've never really given it a lot of thought. Well, I didn't open any cans yesterday either because I couldn't find the can opener. And then you realize. I mean, li- literally, I think if you had to open a can of like, just like Campbell's soup or whatever, and you don't have a can opener. You're screwed. I, I think you're really going to have to... I mean, unless you have a chisel and a hammer, it really is... It's kind of impressive in a way that they've sealed it so effectively you can't possibly get the... And so you realize that you are separated from your lunch by like three millimeters of tin uh, through which you cannot break. Anyway, so I ended up not having lunch. So I, so what do I do? On an empty sort of uh, undernourished stomach, I then bicycle all the way home. So by the time I walk in the front door, I'm just like... I have to eat something because I'm just feeling all faint and weird and I'm like listing 30 degrees to starboard. And we end up going out to dinner and um, and uh, I think I, I think I ate fairly badly at dinner, though. Uh, but, you know, it was just it's I'm going to have to figure out some some middle ground because clearly cutting my diet back to just like the bare minimum is not going to work. I just don't have the willpower for it. I just don't. I'd like to think that I do, but uh it's just not the case. So it took me a grand total of two days to realize that my diet has got to be rejiggered somehow because it's it's just not working out. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Well, I had this idea for a listener contest based off of your high concept yesterday. Yes, sir. So you have, it would be like um, a cook-off and then you three would be the judge. How so? Does that mean we get to eat said terrible food? Yes, exactly. So, so what kind of a cook-off? I don't know. You come up with some kind of fries, and then, you know, the stuff that normally you would only eat by yourself, you would then... Oh, like a shame food cook-off. Yes. Okay, so we, did, so we had this great, uh, and I think it was in the recap today, we had this great discussion yesterday about food that you eat when nobody else is around. So the, the foods that you eat sort of shamefully and alone by yourself, weeping in front of a full-length mirror while the house is completely empty. And people came up with some really, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I got probably, I mean, just in the just in the 25 or so minutes that we talked about it yesterday, I probably got 150 emails about it. And I'm still getting emails right now. And so Sarah and I had actually discussed this yesterday, the idea that there was, that there was probably something else to be sort of wrung out of that whole bit yesterday. So maybe on... I don't know. I don't know what it is. We uh, we we try to narrow it down, and then like on Friday or something, we would have like a like a smattering of shame foods prepared for us here in the studio. Exactly. I don't know how to work. I like your I like the I like the idea though. I think we can do something right. with that, sir. And about the the the, uh, the water exercises. Yes, sir. Um, uh, it's easy on the joints. 
That's why the old people do it. Oh, because of the hip breaking and the exactly. so forth. Exactly. All right. I don't go. know what it is with old people and hips. Uh, is there, are hips just are hips the the Achilles? Just well, if you lean a lot, then you're putting a lot of weight on the hip. Right. And a lot of people lean. It's just one of those things. Like hips are sort of the Achilles. They're the weak. They're the weak link in the whole skeletal structure. It seems to me. Well, yeah, there's a carriage. All right, the carries everything. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, Bye. there you go. Anyway, it so... was it was so fun. Like well, I I would recommend water aerobics to anyone. Did you have to wear like did you wear uh, like a bathing cap? No, no, I don't care if I get my hair wet. And it, yeah, it was just so cool. And like you have like weights and like you have like a thing that you float around. And it's like you know like water jogging. And I felt like such a little old. To the guy who did, like three and two and one and. It was a, it was like a it was a lady who did it. It said um, Lisa and I go to like this community center thing. So I mean it was it's only like three bucks to do it, and it's so well worth it. It was really fun. You know what nobody does anymore? Nobody does jazzercise. Jazzercise is a thing of the past. That's a thing that I think stopped in about 1986. I think people probably still do it. You just don't really associate they with them. Shame. My There's... mom did jazzercise. Really? Oh yeah. Do you remember in the 90s? You probably don't uh, because you would have been I don't know probably 10 or 12. I remember in the early 90s because there was jazzercise, and then there was. God, what is the other thing that was like jazzercise? Oh, what was that Richard Simmons thing? Sweating to the oldies. There was sweating oh, yeah. to the oldies. Uh, Who wants was... to think of Richard Simmons sweating to anything? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Boy, have you seen a picture of that guy lately? I mean, that is just... its it, it, Don't you get the idea that, that at any moment... Don't you expect to look at Richard Simmons, and at any moment you're going to hear like a sort of... And then the seams are going to pop, and then suddenly he's going to go boom, 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 and he's going to end up being a 300-pound guy, and you're going to realize that he's just been sort of cinching himself into the clothes. Richard Simmons, it's like there's that thing in The Breakfast Club where John Bender is saying, um, you know, there are two kinds of fat people. There are people who were always fat, and there were fat people who were once thin and became fat. Mm -hmm. And you can look inside them and see that fat person kind of trying to get out. Richard Simmons is the very definition of a guy who you can tell is fat. He's meant to be fat. I mean, that guy, he must go home and carve off sections of his body with a paring knife every night because you can tell that if he were to backslide for even a moment, he would just be a sphere. I mean, he would just turn into Tweedledee, like, overnight. But this is the whole thing. This is the whole discussion I was having with Laura last night. We went to dinner. Is that we went to some, uh, some, some Mexican place, and we're eating, and I got, like, a roasted chicken thing or whatever. And, of course, what do you do when the roasted chicken comes out? I mean, unless you're Tim. When the roasted chicken comes out, you immediately eat the crispy skin because it's wonderful. And she says, well, you know, that's not very good for you. And I said, well, that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm within my calorie limit. I can totally have this. And she said, yes, but it's not very helpful. And that's when I realized why she and I are looking at the whole dieting thing from opposite sides of the culinary uh, ravine. Because I don't really care if I'm healthy or not. I just like to be thinner. That's my thing. I mean, if I could just inject myself with tapeworms and become thinner, that's fine with me. Like, because she's like, well, don't you want to live long and have your body function? Don't care. Doesn't matter. It's just, I, it really, I, I really am less interested in that than I am in it's just, just not so looking hideous. It's just so unfulfilling. Like, I mean, like what, so you go out to dinner just so you can, like, sit there and count calories for something that someone else is preparing for you? It just sounds very unfulfilling to me. I just, like, I, dieting just is, you know, I, I don't really believe in dieting. It's like, eat what you want, eat what you don't want. Everything in moderation is fine. Like, I don't know, like, calorie counting and everything just seems like it takes the fun out of life. Well, like, it, you're going out to dinner, you can't even enjoy yourself. It does, but on the other hand, like, the thing about calorie counting is, I mean, I, you know, it blows in every conceivable way, except that I think it's the only way that I can really do it, because I have no, 
Because, because I don't know how many calories are in anything. I mean, really. I mean, especially if you go to dinner. Like, if you're in a restaurant, I have no idea how many calories are in anything. I mean, I, th- I feel like if you're making the commitment to go out to dinner, I mean, that's already you putting your calorie content in somebody else's hands. Because you can't control it. And you don't know how much is in there, even if it looks healthy or not. I think I work really well with structure. That's my thing with, like, counting calories. Because I, because otherwise, I, if I have sort of well-established parameters in which I can eat, I think that's when I that's when I sort of deal well. Because otherwise, you know, you just come home and there I am with a big thing of Cool Whip and tortilla chips, and it's just I just have no, I have no I have no self-control. Ew, cool Whip and tortilla. I just I have no impulse control, none. And so I know you think that all the joy is being sucked out of my life, and that I'm going to be medicated and thin and unpleasant and brittle and painful and well, horrible. Am I wrong? Well, I... <laughs> you have your medication meeting in in a few weeks. We can't eat pizza together anymore. I would argue that I'm, I'm a little sad. I mean, I'm ju- I would argue that I'm unpleasant and fat now, so I'd rather be unpleasant and thin. I don't know that I'm a big ball of sunshine to be you around. At this I point, I'm just flabby. I find fat people to be a lot more enjoyable than thin people. You find them to be jolly? <laughs> they are, because they're not hungry all the time. Their personalities shake like a bowl full of jelly, Sarah. All right. Well, in any event, we should probably break. We'll come back. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum around the corner. Or is that? That's not Steve now, is it? I wouldn't think so. We don't have him. Well, for... Richie's on the warm line with somebody. Yeah, well, we don't have him. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Steve Cast him around the corner. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get more phone calls when we return. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come. Top five, 14 songs never to play in a bar, goth or not. And Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Stay there. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, by the way, here's something my wife said as we were wandering around the street last night. Uh, we were in Hawthorne, and this is, I think we were going from, we went to dinner, and then we went to Powell's, and then we walked back to the car. And I swear to Christ, as we were leaving Powell's and walking around, some people walked by us in the street, and my wife said, you know, there seem to be a lot of young people around these days. There you go. Hello, I'm lame and old. Uh, oh, here are the copy points for that. Uh, today, one random caller will win a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt. If you miss Backlash on Sunday, April 27th, you still have time to catch the replay. It's the fallout from WrestleMania 24, Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Batista, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Edge, and all your favorite superstars seek revenge at Backlash. Contact your pay-per-view provider today to find out how you can catch the replay of Backlash. So one random caller wins that today, and also the winner of Goth or Not, uh, which we will play later on. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to your calls in a moment. This, however, is CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey. How are you, brother? Okay, having a good day. Are you really? Are you truly, or is that your stock answer to people who inquire about your mental stability today? Uh, no, today I'm actually having a decent day. It's pretty, uh, pretty quiet, you know, not a lot of stress. Can't really complain. Let me ask you this. When you go in, if, if I may sort of pull back the curtain and inquire into the inner workings of CNN and its correspondence. So how is it, like, you wake up in the morning, you go to CNN, and then... Later on, like at uh, 11.30 our time, here you are on the phone talking about uh, gas. So <laughs> at what point in the day does it go from being a blank slate of what you're going to talk about to being this? Like, how, how does that work exactly? Well, this morning I knew I'd be doing this because I left the, um, the previews on this story last night. I filed them. 
some days you wake up and all hell is breaking loose and you know immediately. And then other days it's really quiet and then nothing's going on. And just as you're about to walk out the door, all hell breaks loose. You know, no, no two days are alike. So is this a thing where you come to CNN, you go, you know what, I want to talk about gas and alternate forms of transportation. Or is that a thing that they ask someone to do or is it a combination of both? It was a combination. This one was uh, the genesis was my idea yesterday. When I knew, knew I was going to have a slow day today, uh, I put forth uh, this uh, proposal. Okay, so here's then my question. So on days when there's not a whole lot of anything going on, it's, just, it's a relative uh, slowdown in news and happenings. Do you have like a whole file of evergreen stories you can go to? If I was a really good reporter, I would, yes. Because <laughs> we had the story the other day about that Tim brought in, and he was – and I think it was an undated story, but he believed it was some the breaking bit of news about people being afflicted with so-called BlackBerry thumb. It was just you know, people typing away. And he's like, you know, there's a new ailment. It's BlackBerry thumb for people using so-called PDA devices. And then Sarah and I both noted that in 2002 and in 2004, respectively, we had seen exactly the same story come across our transom, which obviously just sits in a pile somewhere until there's nothing to talk about. And a journalist reaches over and he goes, I don't know, we got the... What do you want? You got the you got your blackberry thumb. We got the we got a story about that flower that smells like a corpse. We can do that. Uh, or we got a story about the I don't know celebrities buying luxury space travel. What do you want to do? And it's just See, a that's, whole... why, that's why I try to like you know do stories you know that relate to something that's going on right now in the news on a slow day. All you right. know, it may not necessarily be the A story, but it you know it somehow relates to what the topic, uh, the current topics are. Now, here's the thing. I know that you are here uh, for, uh, I would estimate now, the 900th day in a row talking about the gas price uh, situation in America. So I'm now going to throw out a couple of ideas for maybe interesting sidebars or other ways to approach the story. Hold on. Let me let me open a file here so I can write some of these down. All right. Hold you, on. Wait have, a yeah. I'm serious. Are Hold you on. really doing that? Are you really creating like a new document or something? Oh, that... I, I am. You okay. know, you never, you, some, your ideas have been gold lately, so I want to make sure I have them uh, in, in a file. Okay, I'm ready. All right. There's no guarantee that these these ideas, these ideas may not be gold. They may, uh, these, they, they just, they may, they may, they may just be, uh, they may be tedious, but we'll see. Okay, how about this? Um, remember that thing you did about the, you know, uh, is is an apartment in New York City actually worth its weight in gold? How about this? Okay, you're feeling, I can hear you typing. That's fantastic. Um, I like that. <laughs> how about this? Uh, so, uh, gasoline is really expensive. It's four dollars and fifty cents. You may be wondering, how does this compare against blah, 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 blah? What if you were to car, uh, fill your car up with cocktail sauce, for example? <laughs> so what if you were to put in your gas tank other items that were either liquid or a semi-liquid substance? How much would it cost to fill your Chrysler with barbecue sauce or perhaps Evian? Hey, that's a good idea, actually. All right, there you go. How about this? How about, um, let's see. Uh, you could do this. You could do an examination of gas or fuel shortages as they were depicted in movies or television shows of the past. Uh, for example, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of science fiction movies, they uh, take place in some, some, some sort of, uh, some sort of bleak dystopian future world where things are at a premium, where maybe people have to, uh, you know, people have to find alternate modes of transportation because there's been some post-apocalyptic societal breakdown. I'm hearing you. Okay. Okay, you could do that. How about this? Here's a, this is another story. You could spin this one off from the alternate modes of transportation. This is a little bit of, this is like a three degrees of separation. But you start by talking about gas, alternate modes of transportation, the constant quest for an electric or solar-powered car. Then here's where you really make the leap into pop culture relatability. You do a breakdown on 
futuristic devices that were depicted in the Jetsons and which ones we have and which ones we do not yet have. You know, I think somebody did that. Really? I, yeah, I've seen stuff like that done before. Like the Jetsons, I've seen it done with Star Wars, you know, what's in Star Wars, you know, do we have anything comparable now, you know, as compared to the original Star Wars movie when it came out in the 80s? So All right. 78, I don't, I don't even remember now. Okay, here's my final suggestion. Mm -hmm. So, because everybody is sort of talking about how the general tone and tenor of American society right now is very similar to, uh, to that of the 70s, a lot of people, Tim Riley has said this repeatedly, you know, it feels a lot like the 70s. And I remember gas lines, gas outages, my dad buying a locking gas cap. I remember there being a coffee shortage at one point. Uh -huh. My mom went mental because coffee started costing like 10 bucks a can or something, which was outrageous at that point. How about mm -hmm. this? You go interview some folks who were around for the 70s gas lines or shortages mm -hmm. to get their take on how America sort of feels now, what the sense of it is now, the vibe, as contrasted to the 70s gas shortage, and then... You can, and then as the sort of wrap up of the article, you can see what else happened during the big 70s gas crisis that has not yet happened. In other words, based on what happened in the 70s, what, what, what might we be expecting now? Mm, good. I like this. It's good stuff. You should be in on the morning editorial meeting for CNN. All right. Well, you just, you just let me know when the when payroll processes that, and I'll, uh, I'll start showing up. Okay. Uh, so they, they, they do, you know, every morning, as, as every news organization does, they have a morning editorial meeting where all the bureau chiefs are in and, and all the, uh, you know, upper management folks, you know, say what's going on in each bureau and, and they come up with some ideas. And you would be a good addition to well, that yeah, meeting. Because people talk about the 70s and the stuff they always recite from the 70s is the gas shortage. There was, uh, of course, a general economic slowdown in terms of employment. Uh, and, of course, now we've got the big housing crisis uh, going on. And so what you could do is almost a side-by-side -side comparison of what were the big sort of societal indicators of recession or economic crisis in the 70s and which ones are happening now. Yeah, good idea. You should at least be in on our Tuesday morning pitch meeting at CNN Radio. You can call in, you know. Is that true, really? Is that like, well, is it like open mic night? If I gave you the phone number, it would be actually quite, quite funny if you called in. <laughs> is, this, is this sort of like Tuesday nights at the comedy store in L.A. where anybody can get up and do five minutes? It's not, but it would be quite humorous if, if suddenly, you know, the beep came on and, and uh, you know, we all say, hi, Steve here in the New York Bureau, whatever we say, you know, and, and you know, Ed McCarthy here. Or, and if, you did, if we just heard the beep on the conference call and you just said, hey, uh, Rick here. <laughs> well, you know, I have to tell you, this is this is really why uh, I am a failure at everything in my life that doesn't happen in this room uh, where I'm not standing, because this is where all my energy goes. Just every, This is what I do. Uh, I could be making myself a better person. I could be exercising. I could be eating more uh, sensibly. I could be relating to friends and loved ones. Instead, I just sit in here and I think up interesting sidebar articles for a CNN correspondent who's in New York. That's what you I do. You make my job easy, actually. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that quote at the top of a resume at some point. You know, it's great for me because I don't have to think on a day like today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> well, no problem. Um, anyway, and blah, 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 blah. As the price of gas continues to rise, so do the number of people leaving their cars at home, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, so there you go. All right, my friend. Um, I mean, unless you have something interesting to contribute about alternate forms of uh, transportation today. Okay. Oh, what I'm supposed to contribute?
contribute. No, I, think, I, I thought I thought you were still contributing. No, yeah, now that I've now that I've done ten minutes of the coverage of the story for you, I just I don't know. It's the, it's sort of the obligatory story about how. You know, and they always find some guy, right? They find the one. John McCluskey, who's a construction worker, says that he never thought he'd be bicycling to work. But lately, fuel prices have made him reconsider his morning commute, right? Well, you know what, you know what I did? I went, uh, you know, I, I said at some point, you know, we keep seeing these stories, uh, especially on CNN TV, like, you know, the soccer moms saying we're, we're cutting back on our gas and we're trying to carpool more and, and do, do double duty and not, not use as much gas because it's so expensive now. So I wanted to see if uh, gas stations were doing less business. Uh, at some point, the demand's got to go down, right? It's got to reach a tipping point at some dollar amount. And so I called up the New York State Association of Service Stations and Repair Shops. One of the longest named organizations I've ever heard of. But, uh, they told me that, uh, some of their members are complaining that sales are down by as much as 20% at gas stations around the state. So I thought that was really interesting because if demand goes down and it's a permanent change, uh, you know, if you think about it, after the 70s there was a permanent change. People started, you know, going for cars that did not get seven miles to the gallon as my dad's Impala did in 73. And, uh, it, so, are we at the beginning of a, of a seed change here? If the prices stay up above $4 a, a gallon for a long enough period of time, we could be seeing another shift in, uh, in, in American culture, essentially. You know, the, there could be something new. In the 70s, they went from the big gas guzzlers to compact cars. What's going to happen next? Okay, I got one more great idea for you. Not that I wasn't listening to you just now, but I was multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Half of my brain was listening. The other half was on Steve Kastenbaum gas sidebar story recon. Okay. Here's the final idea I came up with. Um, I feel like I had to be holding these back at some point for my inevitable job interview with CNN. Um, <laughs> okay. The, okay, here's, here's another great idea. Uh, what you do is you go find the ever-popular man on the street. Mm-hmm. You talk to the man on the street. What is the average price of gas in New York right now? Oh, geez. It's uh, like four, I, four I, ten. I yeah, I think I paid four twenty something right. the other day. Gal. Let's let's yeah. assume that it's four twenty for our purposes. You find a man on the street and you go, "Hey, how about those gas prices, man on the street?" And he says, "Boy, you wouldn't believe how much it costs to fill up my Impala." And then you, Steve Kastenbaum, say, "All right, well, how much would you pay? Would you pay five dollars a gallon?" And he says, "Well, maybe." And you say, "Well, man on the street, would you pay five fifty? And he says, "Well, I don't know." And then you say, "Well, man on the street, would you pay six dollars?" And then he says, no, definitely not. I would not pay $6 for gas. And then what you do is you do that with several people, and then as the price of gas inexorably raises, you follow up with them to see if they are sticking to their pledge to not buy gas once it hits that point. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know what? Then you can get like three stories out of that. I hear you. I hear you. It's a good one. Yeah. You know, keep a running tab on on these folks. Yes. Yeah. You go back and see if they have stuck by their vow to not buy gas when it reaches that number. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of the people that I've done Man on the Street with, you know, in the past on different issues, you know, basically lied. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing. So you want to uh, – because I'm because that's like the cigarette smokers who always – every time they do the, the cigarette uh, tax hike, people will claim, well, that's too much. I'm going to quit smoking, and then they never do. So, right. All right. So there you go. You can have that idea as well, my friend. Thank you. I There's just, you know, because otherwise that idea is just going to sit here in the studio and fritter away like a flan in a cupboard. Oh, and it shouldn't because it's a good idea. Yes, it is. Thank you, Steve. All right, my friend. Okay. Uh, enjoy your day. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I'm sure we will have discussions in the immediate future. Thank you very All much. Right, thank you. There you go. <sighs> He's crazy. Who? Steve Kessemon. Not you. 
Who are you calling crazy? Don't look at me. <laughs> who, who would I be talking to? You're the only person in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Unless I can't see your imaginary <laughs> friends. I, I was just going to say, we weren't sure who you were talking to, Sarah. <laughs> hey, Richie, who are... I'm looking and these cals are not so much screened as they are completely and totally Richie's unscreened. Richie's computer is acting Oh, up. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I retract, this, I retract this snarky comment. Please yeah. forgive me. And he was getting he was getting all worked up because right. something's wrong with his computer. Well, I don't know who these people are. Do I dare answer the phone? Do it. They're do completely it. unscreened. They can't be that scary. Uh, it's radio without a net, Sarah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about jazzercise earlier. Uh, yes, I was. Live and well at a, uh, across the street from Eastburn on Burnside. Really? They have a really they could have a really big bay window, and you can hear the second coming of Richard Simmons barking orders at the followers. But I mean, is it like full on? Cause d- I love it, says, the it says jazzercise on the outside of the building. Is it, let me ask you this. In my experience, and maybe I'm wrong about this, in my experience, jazzercise is never done to real jazz. Um, like, jazzercise is always done to dance music of some kind. Yeah. I mean, if they did it to, like, regular, like, lounge jazz, it would be, like, spazzercise. We're doing, no regular rhythm. We're doing jazz. We're, doing, we're exercising to John Coltrane. All right. right. Interesting. Okay, Eastburn. Oh, yeah. Were you talking about... Uh, what kind of movie would be good to show a shortage of, like, energy or something like that with Steve? Well, that was one of the many ideas that I gave Steve Kastenbaum, so he doesn't have to do any actual work himself. It was, a, it was, it was really good. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you go back and you find a lot of movies from the 70s focused on the gas crisis. Uh, yeah. And then there are, you know, a lot of sort of the Blade Runner-type films, which show, like, a sort of disconnected, bleak, post-apocalyptic netherworld of the future where there's no gas. There was, a few years ago, there was a movie called The Trigger Effect. It's not about gas, but it's about a massive blackout. It's mm-hmm. actually not too bad. All right. I know you don't hear about it much, but it's got Elizabeth Shue in it. Excellent. So, uh, really? Yeah. I like anything with Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, and it's got uh, um, uh, the guy from uh, Blue Velvet's in it, too. I can't remember his name now. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin? Kyle McLaughlin's in it, yeah. Really? He of the epileptic sex with Elizabeth <laughs> Berkeley and Showgirls? Right. Sexy. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. All right. Elizabeth Shue. Boy, you know what I just saw the other day, again, uh, is my, I would say it's my second favorite Woody Allen film, although that's hard to say, is Deconstructing Harry. And um, Deconstructing Harry is just, just such a fantastic film. I mean, it's just, it's just wonderful. And I, uh, and Elizabeth Shue is in that, and just so, you know, Woody Allen is kind of, it's kind of be, almost become a joke at this point that he casts so many hot girls in his movies, oh, always yeah. dating him. Like, and I'm 70 years old, and... Uh, Didn't he just I'm make ha- another movie of Scarlett Johansson? Second one. It's the second movie yeah. of Scarlett Johansson. And you I mean, you just know you just know that, that she's sleeping with him. Oh, you she's just know totally it. sleeping with him. Because, well, she's my There's muse. no way. No way she's not. I mean, I mean and, but she doesn't look like a girl with high moral standards. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just throw it out there. She's a beautiful girl. She doesn't... You, you can tell no, that, I, that I mean, she you know, gives up the cake. Good for- Good for him. I mean, good for Woody Allen. You know what I mean? That's uh, there are worse reasons to get into show business, I suppose. You know, I and honestly, I mean, what lady do you know? I mean, who wouldn't sleep with Woody Allen? Come on. Would you? Probably. All right, good for you. I mean, I think mostly anybody would. He's Woody Allen. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of people who He's hate America's him. He's America's Roman Polanski. See, but that, Tim, it's that kind of remark. It's that kind of remark that sets my teeth on edge, Tim Riley. Now get your goat. I got now. <laughs> you see, but you know the thing is, I can't. Have you noticed this about Woody Allen films? I say going from the ridiculous to the pretentious. You know, Woody Allen is one of those guys, though. He is uh, not unlike Spike Lee, just an incredibly polarizing, uh, which is what you say now instead of divisive, like how you say progressive instead of liberal. Woody Allen is a really polarizing figure because I know people, usually women, uh, to whom I will say the words Woody and Allen, and it's like they immediately just have to go on some jag about how they loathe him. Uh, There was somebody who I will not uh, identify that we work with. There was a girl who did that. 
And uh, and you know and, and I think it's and I think it is because he gets unfairly lumped in with the uh, the teen raping uh, Roman Polanski. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm Here, his was a lot fairer than Roman Polanski. I loved him more after seeing Annie Hall. I believe that Woody Allen gets a bad rap. I, I do like Selig in Radio Day. But you, but Woody but his but you. <laughs> As you say it like Woody Allen, Rick Emerson is Woody Allen. God, I'm retarded. No, uh, he's, a, he's a gifted uh, performer. Are you being sarcastic? No, I'm serious. Right. No, I, mean, I, I can see Tim having respect for Woody you Allen. You know, the thing about Woody Allen is he makes, people don't really realize this, he makes a movie a year. I mean, one movie every single year and has for like 35 years now. And... You know, you think your average Hollywood filmmaker who makes a movie, what, every three, four, five years? Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Woody Allen makes writes and directs a movie every single year, and I would say he's got like a 60% batting average, which is amazing. The idea that you would crank out a movie a year and that like probably six out of ten of those are really good. I mean, if you just list off just, I mean, you can just fill one hand easily with the classic Woody Allen films. Annie Hall, Manhattan, Zelig, Purple Rose of Cairo, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's just the five that immediately come to mind. That is five, I would say, classic, probably flawless films. And I mean, you, know, you get filmmakers who go the whole lives. They try to make one flawless film. And that guy just cranks him out. I mean, films come out of that guy like that, like he was just clipping off fingernails. You know what I mean? Just, just constantly. So, anyway, the point is, I was watching Deconstructing Harry. And there's two, I mean, A, Elizabeth Shue is in that, and she's just adorable. I mean, she really, she's sexy, but she's just adorable, too. There's something sort of, I don't say childlike, because that sounds like weird. That, that but she's sun-kissed kind of thing. That's what I mean. It's like a, almost like a like a childlike sort of innocence mm. that she's got to her, but she's just really sexy at the same time. She's comfortable like an old shoe. Yes. Yes, she is. Uh, and then uh, and then it's got Demi Moore, who just is staggeringly beautiful in that film. And Demi Moore, I run real hot and cold in her. Sometimes she just looks weird. Uh, but Demi Moore looks really, really beautiful in Deconstructing Harry. And it's got, and it's also an interesting document because it's got mid-fat Kirstie Alley. Not really thin, not really fat. It's got kind of mid-fat Kirstie Alley. Uh, and it's relentlessly profane and hilarious. And it's got, like, oh, and it's got Julie Louis-Dreyfus uh, doing this, like, really great, perverse, like, bathroom sex scene, which is sort of strange. Anyway, so, all right, Deconstructing Harry. Really, you, you ought to watch it. Uh, Jim Riley, have ye news for us? And I just found out the moon is going to be larger than usual tonight. The moon was, it was almost full last night. I saw it. it was, it's it was going to be a huge. huge moon. Do you ever look into the sky uh, sort of in the afternoon or the early evening, and you can't tell if you're looking at the sun or the moon? Well, especially here. Like if it's behind a cloud or something, and you look for a second, and you see like a golden glowing orb in the sky, but it's sort of obscured by clouds, and you go, is that the moon or the sun? I can't tell. And then you feel like an idiot. I do that all the time. Uh, where I just look, and because I can never remember, I can never remember what side of the sky anything is supposed to be on. So I, 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 I'll have to look because I have no sense of direction. So I'll look up in the sky and I'll go, I think that's the moon. It's awfully bright though. It's probably the sun. I don't know. Where does the sun set? It's the sun set over there. Maybe they're right next to each other. That doesn't make any sense. And then it's like the whole opening of Thundar the Barbarian plays in my head. <sighs> yes, I often feel that way myself. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I was just thinking about that whole last 30 seconds and just back to pondering my imminent medication. It's really, you know, me being medicated is really either just the worst idea in the world or the best. I, it, there, I can't really figure it out one way or the other. All right. Well, whatever. 
Back after this, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth coming up later on. Top five album opening songs. 14 songs never to be played in a bar. Again, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com or Goth or Not. Stay there. about being cheery, Tim. This show is a ray of sunshine for people. It is. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. See, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Rick, there's no good alternative to the can opener. I went backpacking one time with some friends. They all brought canned food, but no can opener. I asked them how they planned to open the cans. They said, a hatchet. Needless to say, none of the cans were opened successfully, and a friend of mine nearly cut his finger off. The rest of the evening was spent foraging for berries in the woods, which they didn't eat for fear that they were poison. Ha ha. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Rick, about futuristic movies. Soil and green has it all. Food shortages, fuel shortages, overpopulation, and cannibalism. And finally, Rick, about Scarlett Johansson. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Scarlett Johansson has vowed to do a nude photo shoot if Barack Obama wins the presidential election. Vote early, vote often, says uh, Jamie. All right, duly noted, my friend. And this has got to be a real nude photo shoot. It can't be like one of those That's things... That's awesome. That... Good for her. Real... I'm... Good for all of us, Sarah. No. It's not just good for her. You know you, know you want to see what I don't like her like when she's nude. taking Ryan Reynolds off the market. Uh, is that true? Yeah, well, that's who she's engaged to. I didn't know they were engaged. I thought that was just a scurrilous rumor that was batted away. No, you had it. We had an entire show about this. Well, I mean, we talked about it. But I thought maybe, maybe I'm confusing with somebody else. I thought that no, it was like a no. We had a huge like f Brian Reynolds day. Yeah, f that guy. All right. I'm thinking of somebody else that got engaged and then it turned out that it wasn't true. No, you know what it Scarlett is? Johansson is engaged. I'm weirdly here's what I'm doing. I'm weirdly conflating it with that uh, that Vanity Fair thing about Bill Clinton and Gina Gershon. That's what I'm doing. I'm kind of confusing the two for some reason. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's going to be a gigantic moon tonight. Many people are going to be tricked into thinking it's unusually huge. This is called the moon illusion, as it's known. It's to trick our minds to make the moon look bigger. Uh, the effect is most pronounced at full moon. Many people swear it's real, suggesting that perhaps the Earth's atmosphere is magnifying the moon. But it's all in your mind. The moon is not bigger. And uh, it's because of the illusion that is noticeable. And it's called the solstice moon, coming just two days before summer. The reason, according to NASA, who know everything, lies in lunar mechanics. The sun and full moon are like kids on the seesaw. There is one high, there is one low. This week's high solstice sun gives us a low horizon hugging moon and a strong, long-lasting version of the illusion. If it's any consolation, a space shuttle astronauts report the same effect. Your mind believes things on the horizon are further away from things overhead because you're used to seeing the moon just a few miles above, but the clouds on the horizon can indeed be hundreds of miles away. So, we think something, such as the giant moon, is further away, but it's not. It just seems larger. So, all right. 
Well, I was about to say, that's not true. It's totally larger. But you're telling me that, that's, that my argument is that the legs are out for my, my argument before I even start it. So, the, I uh, swear to God the moon is larger sometimes. The best moon time tonight will be 9.51. Don't you ever look outside and the moon just seems massive? Yeah. But you're saying that's not the case. Well, you can't tell the moon from the sun, right? No, but I'm saying at night, on those occasions when I can, like, let's say at midnight, don't you ever go out and the moon just seems to be well, taken up like a whole... it seems like it's closer. Well, but it seems to be larger as well. Are you saying... Let me just ask you this, but you're saying the moon is never truly closer to us. No. Then how can we get bigger? That, see, that's what I just okay, said, no, okay. you damn I'm woman. Sorry. It well, is bigger than the optical illusion. See, he's saying that the moon never really is bigger in the sky. Like even those big harvest moons? That's what I'm talking about. Tim says no. Right. Isn't that right, Tim? Your mind believes things on the horizon are further away from things overhead because you're used to seeing clouds just a few miles above, but the clouds on the horizon can indeed be hundreds of miles away. So, if you remain doubtful, I Take am. this test. I remain doubtful. Go outside at moonrise with a small object of your choice. At moonrise? <laughs> Which is 9.51. Is moonrise like a new age band that plays alongside shadow facts? I, I suppose that's true. Okay. So go out at moonrise with a small object, perhaps a pencil eraser. You must have one handy. Check your junk drawer. Hold it at arm's length as the moon rises and compare the sizes of the moon and the eraser. Then repeat this experiment an hour or two later, because you have lots of time. Uh, when the moon is high in the sky... A rolled-up tube of paper works well, too. Uh-huh. Wait, what happens after you put the pencil up in the sky? I don't think... What are we supposed to do with the pencil? I don't understand. Well, you can take the pencil back in the house after you're done. No, but... Okay. Hold hold the eraser, the pencil eraser. Well, look at the eraser now. Not a whole pencil. Hold the eraser out the pencil. Hold it at arm's length as the moon rises and compare the sizes of the moon and the eraser... Then repeat the experiment an hour or two later when the moon is high in the sky. Okay, but that's, not, but, but that's not what we're talking about, though. I think we're talking about two different things. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, you know that somewhere out there there's the sound of a million scientists shaking their heads sadly and then weeping for us. Let's call our person at OMSI. I oh, am, we don't have one. I'm saying, let's call our person at OMSI if they say they can hang up the phone angrily. Hi, the Rick Emerson show. Uh, so I'm saying, though, aren't there times of year when the moon is larger in the sky? No, the moon is always the same size. I know that it the doesn't a- expand. No, I, I know that the moon doesn't inflate like some sort of a like some sort of a, a balloon. Happy I'm not saying that the, I'm not saying that the moon itself grows bigger, but I'm saying, aren't there times when if you were to walk outside and look at the moon, it takes up more of your field of vision? That is called the moon illusion. Okay, but I don't. It is a trick in your mind that makes the moon seem bigger when it's. Near the horizon. The effect is most pronounced at full moon. Many people swear it's real, suggesting that Earth's atmosphere is magnifying the moon. But if everyone sees it, isn't it bigger? Uh, seriously, if everyone's seeing it, it's not an illusion. It is an illusion. I don't even understand. Uh, okay, all right. I- I'm not saying that the moon itself gets bigger. I understand the so moon is a like rock. There's a big like, m- like magnifying glass in the sky that makes it bigger? Yeah, something like that. Let me ask you this, Tim. So the best, I say putting you on the spot as though you're some sort of a lunar I'm an astronomer. I'm <laughs> Like a, you have an degree in astronomical science. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is the moon always the same distance from the Earth? Yes. Are you bluffing? <laughs> well, why are you well, asking him? He's well, not I, claiming. I mean, well, maybe it's a, he has the article in front of him. I thought it might be there in the article. No, it doesn't explain any more about the moon. Because if the moon is occasionally closer to the Earth, because it because the moon is, you know, it orbits, uh, but I wonder if maybe it's like not a perfect circuit. Is it like some sort of a weird, uh, 
like a like a not a perfectly circular orbit like there are time are there times in the moon's orbit when it somehow comes closer to us because that would explain why occasionally the moon I understand the moon itself is a rock which doesn't get bigger or smaller but it does seem to take up more of our field of vision from time to time mm-hmm. and this whole business of going out and measuring the moon like against a pencil eraser and then doing it again 2 hours later that's sort of answering a question that we're not asking. Our question isn't, does the moon look bigger at like 10 p.m. as opposed to 8 p.m.? My question is, doesn't the moon sometimes look bigger in like January than it does in like March? You know what I mean? No one's listening. All the right. side of the moon that faces the Earth is called the near side, and the opposite side is the far side. The far side is often inaccurately called the dark side. In fact, it is illuminated exactly as often as the near side once per lunar day. One distinguishing feature of the far side is its lack of mana. <laughs> it's lack of mana. And, and that's from the Moon's MySpace page. <laughs> okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Andy. Hello. Hi. I, Andy, the homeschool right kid. Hello. Hi. You can tell by the tone of your voice you know about the Moon. <laughs> yes. All right, smug homeschool guy. Tell us. I'm not entirely certain this is one of those things where I read it in a school book a while ago and forgot most of it. But I believe it has to do with the way the sunlight reflected off the moon is filtered through the atmosphere. Okay. So when it's closer to the horizon, it's being filtered differently. So you are saying that... uh, Never mind. You know, this whole thing is just Uh, exhausting me. The moon appears larger when close to the horizon. It is purely a psychological effect. It is exactly 1.5% smaller when the moon is near the horizon and when it is high in the sky because it is further away from the Earth's radius. Okay, but that's what, see, but that's what I'm saying. So it is further is from right? the Earth sometimes. The highest altitude of the moon on a day varies. <laughs> you know what it is? Earth has nearly the same <laughs> limit as the sun. You know what's happening? We're asking you questions, and you are just responding with facts about the moon that have nothing to do with the question, but it temporarily placates because we're thinking that you're answering the question. All right, thank you, Andy. Welcome. All right, bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't laugh at us. Hello? Hi, turn your radio up, sir. Hello? Hi. <laughs> I, no one even said if I was going to be on the radio. My yes. name's Kelly. Here, here you are, sir. You're speaking to thousands. Yes. Hey, I was watching on the History Channel. They're doing a deal on the moon, and the moon is actually gradually going away from the Earth. It's the same distance all the way around, but it's slowly... The orbit is getting farther and farther and farther. So the the orbit is gradually expanding in uh, circumference. Yeah, yeah. Back in the Apollo missions, they put a reflector on the moon so they could shoot a laser from the Earth to it so they can measure it precisely. So it slowly is slowly getting a larger and larger orbit until one day it'll eventually break free and we won't have a moon. Then all hell break loose. And that's of course when uh, that's when the zombies rise. Yeah, we we won't. We can always create a moon in the desert. We've done it before. Thank you, sir. Yep, we'll get we'll get the Stanley Kubrick on that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. We're going to do these, and then we're going to be done with the Moon Talk forever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yes, Rick. It is in fact an orbit that is elliptical. It's more or less circular, but it's actually elliptical. So here's my question: Is there any point in the Moon's orbit, for the love of sweet zombie Jesus, when it is somewhat closer to the Earth than at other times? That is correct. Okay, that's what I was saying. So yeah, would that, huge, would that account real. for the moon sometimes looking larger? No, it really isn't optically any different. That's mainly a perceptual issue for 
how people see things, and it is that horizon issue the guy was talking about earlier. All right. Thank you, my friend. You bet. (sighs) God, people hate us. All right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Enough of the moon? Yeah, I think so. Let's move on. Let's talk about gas, because we're not talking enough about it. Gas thieves have stolen 300 gallons from Rose City Golf Course. Uh, the thieves you uh, steal tons of gas from the uh, golf course. That means you, the taxpayers, are stuck with the bill. Groundskeepers said when they arrived uh, yesterday morning at the course, they found the 300-gallon gas tank, which had just been filled, was empty. A hole was cut through the fence, and hoses were left behind. Thieves laid off with nearly a ton of more than $1,200 worth of unleaded gasoline. A city security expert will now review lights, alarms, and locks. That's quite a haul for the thieves, considering that each gallon of gas weighs... Six and a half pounds. And there's more. Thieves have realized that a good place to steal gas is at your local U-Haul lot. The shops have, uh, well, reported plenty of thefts. Workers at the rental van business have been on the uh, the prowl here. Uh, the U-Haul workers say thieves often siphon small amounts of gas in the gas cans, but the thefts have added up to big bucks. Yes, there's a lot of uh, gas siphoned here at the Southeast 48th Avenue and Powell Boulevard place. And, uh, well... They're not supposed to rent out trucks with less than a quarter of a tank. So these tanks are all full. Not that we're encouraging people to do this. Of course not. We're just stating facts. Uh, the gas cap, uh, locking gas caps aren't a solution because brazen thieves will do more than simply siphon. Uh, sometimes they'll get underneath so they can get every drop of it. There's also another uh, U-Haul at 77th and Foster. The fuel thief uh, has also struck there. They're pretty useless. They're drilling holes in the tanks. Which isn't the safest thing. No, I was and just it's happening in broad daylight. And you know that that's just a matter that's a matter of time until a guy is drilling through and it sparks or something, and then suddenly no face. Mm-hmm. Uh. So uh, that's that. Here's something that's going to get you going. A 16-year-old boy whose parents rely on prayer instead of medicine. Uh, is this a religious nutcase watch? I guess it is. Yes. All right. Here's your religious nutcase watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. relied on prayers instead of medical care. Well, the boys died following an illness marked by stomach pains and shortness of breath. The team was a member of a faith-healing church. A deputy medical examiner was called to the family's home about an hour after the boys' death late yesterday afternoon. The major crimes team responded to the scene to investigate. Police arrived to find a 16-year-old boy dead inside. The team's family was with him when he did die. He got sick about a week ago. Like all members of the religious order, did not receive medical attention. What is the religious order, does it say? This is the Oregon City Followers of Christ Church. It is a fundamentalist, of course, Christian denomination, recently making headlines after two members were arrested and accused of using prayer and medical care to try to cure their uh, deadly ill daughter. Well, that's but it's like if your kid is... But if they're under the age of 18, you have to take them to the doctor, don't you? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the thing? Like if you... Because I know Scott Daly was a... He was a... What's a Christian scientist or something? Is he? I think he, or he grew up, not now, but I mean, I think he grew up, aren't they another one of the whole, like, God will fix your broken arm, oh, yeah. and then your arm just, your arm just looks like a Z, uh, because God, because God has, God is busy with other things, so. And, and this isn't the only bad thing that's happened in this family. In March, the dead boy's 15-month-old cousin, Ava, died at home from bronchial pneumonia and a blood infection. Her parents, 
Carlin Raylene Worthington also failed to contact a doctor and awaiting trial on criminal charges in her death. Uh, nobody's been arrested or charged with any crime so far. Oregon lawmakers passed new laws striking down legal shields for faith-healing parents after several uh, children from the followers of Christ also died in the 1990s. Wait, so but they, so they, they're already on trial because they're, what is it, they're... 50-month-old uh, daughter. The 50-month-old daughter died. It's a cousin, actually. A cousin. Yeah. And yet, but they haven't been charged or whatever because no. of this kid dying. And he was how old? Uh, he was 16. Which is still a minor, right? You are still under your parents' control. Series. Okay, they're going on the book. Hold on. What are their names? Their names Hold are. On, let me get the book here. Yes. All right. Okay, what are their names? Do I have names here? I don't know. You should. Let's see. Okay. I'm looking here. And this is where in Oregon City? Yeah. I do not have the couple's name. Really? Does it not identify them? I do have the, let's see, the, the cousin's name. But it doesn't, does it not identify the parents because of the kid who is a minor? Is Probably. that one of those deals where because he's underage, they because don't they haven't been charged with identify him. his nutcase parents uh, who have decided to let Jesus fix him, which didn't really work. He's dead, right? Yeah. Well, if he's dead, who, ah, for the love of, all right, fine, whatever. You know what? I'm gonna put them. I'm gonna put Oregon City nutcase faith healing parents in the book with a little asterisk that I will go back and add their That's actual names. Faith healing later. is like faith killing. Faith killing. Oregon faith killing parents. All right. So apparently this church has been in trouble before. Well, of course. I mean, ugh, Jesus. All right. There you go. Okay, they're in the book. I'll put their names down when we get their names, and uh, someday they'll get what's coming to them. All right. There you go. There's your religious nutcase watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, this is the last theme I'm going to read about this. Rick, the moon does get closer to the Earth at times, but instead of looking larger, it just looks brighter. He says then there is, and this is uh, from our friend uh, Thomas, who knows such things. He says, there is a huge debate. You hear that? A huge debate in the scientific community as to whether the moon looks larger near the horizon uh, is due to the atmosphere acting like a lens or due to comparisons with other objects. The Earth and moon orbit each other uh, with the center of the orbit, uh, but the center of the orbit is inside the Earth. So there you go. Are they having conventions about that? I don't, I don't really know. Do you ever see those? But you'll see those organizations where it's like, you know, the National Association of Upholstery Manufacturers or something, and you do wonder... And they all seem to have trade magazines and conventions at a Holiday Inn in, uh, you know, in Pawtucket. And you, I always kind of want to go to those. You know what I mean? There are certain things like that, gatherings or sort of business shindigs, that I kind of want to pay a visit to just to see what goes on there. To see what sort of gift bags might be given out of the uh, door. Uh, let's see. This guy says, hey, since there are so many gas stories, you could at least make it interesting by having a gas watch. That's not a bad idea. I think that's a fine thing. Gas watch. All right. Gas I'll get right on it, sir. All right. Here's Tim Riley. And, uh, oh, speaking of gasoline, with diesel prices now averaging 4.87 a gallon, one gas station in Bowie, Maryland has lost almost $11,000 after some truck drivers figured out how to override the gas pumps. The manager, Shamshish Suhas, said the truckers who parked their rigs to block the line of sight and do their devilish deeds. In my register, it says $20 or $15, but they're getting like 100 200 300 500 In one day, they get 700 gallons. Sam Sheesh hopes the diesel thieves are caught. If the gas diesel is $1, it's wrong. If it is $4, still it's wrong. And it's, uh, it's injustice, you know, uh, and we should nail this guy. 
Okay. You know, I don't care about that, but I do. Have you? Did you all get new trash cans over the last week? Is that just a thing that happened in my neighborhood? Your neighborhood. I don't know. I don't. I haven't looked. You don't, I don't take out my trash. They did uh, give us new trash cans last year, but I made them t- come and take them back because they were too big. Were they, they aesthetically unpleasing? Well, here's the thing. We're not, allowed to, we're not allowed to leave them outside, and they are too big for my two-car garage if I put both cars in. I was just going to say, so when you say you're not allowed to leave them outside, you don't just mean you can't leave them on the curb. I mean, they have to be hidden from sight? Yes. And so then you, when is your trash day? Tuesday. Tuesday. So you take them out Tuesday, when what, morning? Trash or? Day? I don't really know. When's Monday? I have no idea. I think it might be Tuesday, but I'm unsure I about that. I take mine out late Monday night and bring them back in Tuesday afternoon when I come <laughs> home from work. Like a good citizen, Tim. Here's why I don't... I don't know. want somebody to write me up. <laughs> well, and here... But, oh, that, now, see, if I can ask this now, do you get, like, a fine? You could, yes. You could. I mean, with the Homeowners Association coming, be, that'll be uh, trash cans on the, you know, out front, visible to the naked eye. That'll be $85. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Sure. See, as they should. In my in my neighborhood, there would be no such. Well, there is no such fine. Uh, and I was the reason I know that there's no such fine is the same reason I don't know what what day gas day is. Is that I never I just sort of leave my trash cans out there. I I figure it's just less work for everybody. Uh, and also, there are several other people on the same street who do that. The trash can just sort of sits on the curb, uh, and then it's a you know, and then and I figure it's less work for me. The guy, you know, the trash guy when he comes by always knows where the can is going to be and so forth. Um. But, but, I, but usually, I mean, people are prompt about that because I, I, there was a dead rhododendron in my front planter, and I asked them to replace it, and they did right away. We live in such different worlds, you and I. I mean, you and I and Sarah. Sarah and I are over here on one side of the table. You're on the other side of the table, which I, which I say with love. I mean, we're all at the same table. We're just sitting I on... I love your neighborhoods as well. <laughs> You love them for their low property values and the fact that you can swoop in and purchase houses, uh, you know, by the fistful at this point. Um, no, we're all at the same table, but we are sitting at, I would say, much different chairs at that table. I have a chair today. Usually I sit on the stool. <laughs> um, but so we have the we we have like the two metal trash cans, and then there, it's. I mean, really, it's it's gotten out of hand. I would say that there's actually so many now. And maybe this is just a Southeast Portland thing, uh, or maybe it's just maybe they're doing a neighborhood, or maybe they just decide that I'm filthy, and so they're giving me more things. I don't even know what they all do. I mean, here's what I've got in front of my, uh, not in my house, because my wife actually got, she, they now have so many trash bins and trash disposal, like, receptacles, that my wife finally decided that it was just shameful to have them all in front of the house. So it reached a tipping point where she was like, we can't just have all this out on the curb because we just look like trash. And so I think she pulled them in and put them in the garage. Uh, I now have at this point two round metal trash cans, which are sort of your all-purpose trash cans. I have then the small, you know, the bins. There's the yellow bin. I'm pretty sure there's a small low-to-the-ground blue bin as well. I don't even know. I don't know what goes in there. There's a large square brown trash, uh, like plastic trash can. Like there's a big brown plastic trash thing the city gave me. And I think... Like, just the other day, they dropped off a huge yellow trash can and a huge plastic green trash can. I mean, we just came home, and they were there. That's weird. So I only have one. Like, we don't even have metal trash can. I just have one trash can. Yeah, we have like five. A big, a big plastic one. We now have five trash cans. Hi, I'm Kevin Carter. You probably know me best. What? Somebody just creeped onto my screen and started talking. So we now have five trash cans and two trash bins, and I don't even really know what any of them well, do. Well, you better make sure that you're not getting charged extra for those. Is that a thing? Now, mm-hmm. now would that the city? If you, have a, if you have an additional trash can, usually they, they charge you extra money. Now, is that a thing where I can just tell the city to just to take it back? 
Can I just tell the city, look, I don't need any of these trash cans? Well, it depends if, like, your landlord is the one who ordered it. Or... Yeah, he has to okay it. Yeah, because if your landlord okayed it, then that means that he's probably going to pay for it. Oh, so as long as I'm not paying for it. But you need to, you should probably find that out. So. Here's a question, though. Am I that, if the city comes by and and does all that, if, they, if the city comes by and they give me, like, two trash cans, two bins, two other things, a brown thing for clippings and, you know, something that's just for navel lint, Am I obliged to use all of those for their labeled and intended purpose? And if not, does somebody get fined for that? Like, what if I just disregard what the city wants me to do and just put it all in one big pile? Who could blame you, really? Well, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I could, I could care less than nothing about the environment. So I, it just, if I just put it all into one big stack and it just goes to a landfill somewhere, is that a thing where the city, like, hits me or the landlord for a fine? I suppose they could, but I don't think they're going to force it. All right, let's see here. Uh, well, let's see if these people are calling about trash, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, sir or madam, as the case may be. How's it going? Hi. Hey, uh, I got those, too. So where do you, do you live in southeast? Yeah. Um, open them up, and there's instructions inside. There's a little booklet. And... A booklet? I mean, really, it's trash. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, you don't have to recycle anything, but now they just made it easier so you can co-mingle. Every, all the recycle can go in one. They made it easier by giving you more. Nothing's easier than more work. You don't have to separate the metal and the paper and all that stuff like you used to. Like I used to. <laughs> well, there you go, yeah. And then the yeah, other yeah, boy, thank God that's some labor I no longer have to do. <laughs> Jesus, I was getting all that recycling and sorting was wearing me out all these years. Well, no, I won't have to, so you'll have extra time. But uh, the other one is for yard debris. Now, I've already got a big brown thing for yard debris, though. Yeah. There was already, like, a big brown trash can that I thought was for yard trimmings. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But mine, I thought the, the metal one, can was. You know, like I said, the booklet inside will explain all this, which I didn't um, um, figure out until about a week later after it was all wet from the rain and everything also. But, um, yeah, they're just they're trying Where to Where do I put my easy. Christmas tree? That's all I need to know. That you need to chop up into little small pieces and put in the yard debris. Ah, all right. You know what I did is I just snuck over and I put it in the neighbor's dumpster. Or that. All right. Thank all right. you, sir. All right. I'm no closer to understanding any of this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I know this is complex. There's color codes and all this kind of thing, right? Uh, the blue one is recycling. Just, uh, you know, cardboard, paper, metal, whatever you want. Throw it in there. Okay. You don't have to flatten your cardboard boxes. You don't have to do nothing. Just makes it easy. If you throw trash in that, they won't pick it up because it's not recyclable. They'll leave it there, and it will sit and rot week after week after week. So the moral is never put anything in there. The moral is put everything into the one big metal can. Well, do you get newspapers, magazines, anything like that? No. No, I try to never receive. You know what? Here's the thing is, that's another thing, actually. I try not to receive newspapers or magazines to the house, but they just arrive anyway. Does the Oregonian just come by and give you the paper whether you want it or not? Uh, eventually they do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But, I mean, I come home probably twice a week, and the Oregonian is just sitting on my front porch. I'll just throw it on the neighbor's porch. It seems to be what you're doing with your Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll put it where all of my other refuse is gone. Now, the, now you can't put glass in the big blue one. That's the last go in the little Kirby. Uh... You know, can I just tell you, this is why people. Look, here's the thing. This is why people don't recycle, because they make it really difficult. Don't we have an unemployment problem in this country? Isn't there a recession going on, Tim? Nope. Oh, yes. So no, why can't me... we just do this? Why can't we just. Why can't you just put everything in the one big bin and then it goes to the trash place where somebody sorts it as it goes down the conveyor belt? Because they don't want the used diapers and the smashed up and smelly food and crap all over the. Uh, uh... The cardboard and the paper soaking into it. They want, you know, they want you to do a preliminary sort, of which they've made it very easy, where virtually everything goes in one bucket and then garbage goes in the other. So you can use the garbage is expensive to get rid of. So you can use a small can, 
and pay a small fee for your garbage and put a whole bunch of stuff into your recycling to get rid of it. You know, I, I could care less about the environment myself. I've never recycled, but I love my blue bin because that's where all the newspapers and cardboard boxes and, and everything else goes in there. That takes up so much room that you have to have a big garbage can. I just want that thing from Back to the Future, uh, too, uh, you know, where there's just like the garbage thing that you just dump crap into there and then it gives you like 88 gigawatts of power or whatever the hell. That's what I want. Top of the fireplace. Thank you. Hi. All right. There you go. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? You want the Mr. Fusion 2000. That's exactly what I want. No, it's your kids, Marty. That's what I need. I need that thing right there where I can just shove banana peels and my old shoes into it and my car will work. Yeah, basically. Hey, you don't have three plastic, uh, bins? Uh, trash cans? It's possible. They're all kind of just stacked inside of each other and I never touch them, so I don't really know how many are there. Oh, Okay. Well, you know, the big ones that the trucks pick up, because I live out in Clackamas County, and, and we've had that for years. It's, it's your garbage uh, hauler that uh, finally got around to giving you guys a uh, recycle bin that you can put everything into. How sad that the guy who picks up my garbage finally just decided to do the work for me. He saw that I wasn't going to become responsible, so he took it upon himself to make me a better citizen. Well, they, they just made – you have waste management, so that's the whole city of Portland just finally went to that. They just finally built their uh, – Recycling center. All right then. All right, thank you, sir. Hey, uh, I had one other thing. You had yeah. with for a sounder a while back to, to end your uh, best of programs in the morning, your first hour. Oh yeah, because sometimes the uh, the recap occasionally, depending on the commercial load and the you know, whatever and what kind of bits we're using for the for the recap, sometimes it runs way overtime to where it's like you know ten minutes after the hour, and we need a way to sort of break into that and end it. Yeah, the the sound I was thinking of is the the sound between the levels in Tempest, the arcade game. Wait, I just played that the other day. Is that that? God, I'm retarded. All right, no, that's good though. All right. You do that, and then uh, you've been listening to the best of Rick Emerson. Excellent. Okay, I'm gonna try that tomorrow. We'll see how it works. Okay, man. Watch out for spikes. Thank you. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, those two rascally boys who made national news when they were arrested at their middle school for swatting the backsides of their female classmates are now suing Yamhill County. The lawsuit says the boys were subjected to strip and body cavity searches while in custody. Corey Mashburn and Ryan Cornelson, both of McMinnville, are the two, uh, or they're two of six plaintiffs in the federal class action suit. They contain that the boys were held for minor crimes and nonviolent offenses were subjected to unnecessary searches. The case seeks an unspecified amount of damages and $2 million in punitive damages. It hopes to put an end to the practice. Uh, they're both 14. They were jailed in Yamhill County for five days after their arrest. During this period, the lawsuit says, uh, Cornelius was uh, strip-searched eight times and mash-burned five. For what reason, I don't know. Uh, from Longview comes word, police chased a driver through the streets of the downtown area. When they finally caught up, they found a 13-year-old girl was behind the wheel. She now faces felony looting charges, among other things. She's a runaway from Bellingham. So she ran away from Bellingham to go to Longview. Uh, the girl led them on a chase. It went for at least three miles. It finally ended in a parking lot. She was driving more than 70 miles an hour. She ran red lights and went the wrong way on a one-way street. Finally ended up in the parking lot of a shopping mall. The car sped across the parking lot, jumping curves before hitting a fence. Three people jumped out of the car and began uh, running away, including a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, who might have been a runaway, and a 24-year-old man. Of course. Wanted for outstanding warrants from the Bellingham area. They caught and arrested all three. The 13-year-old driver sent to juvie. One Longview mother said if it was her daughter, she knows exactly what she would do. 
I know some parents who would just bail her out. I would just let her sit there for a while. That might seem a little cruel, but if you mess up, you pay the price, said Don of Longview. He's probably a softball coach of some kind. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break, and then we've got the, some calls that we'll get to as well. Here's Tim Riley. The picturesque small Yakima Valley town of Wapato. Uh, police have destroyed five dogs in six months and have banned pit bulls and some other breeds. The Wapato Town Council adopted the ban unanimously Monday. It applies to pit bulls, bull terriers, and mixes pit bulls and other breeds, including mastiffs, rots, and American bulldogs. Now, let me ask you this about, you know about dogs. What's the deal with Rottweilers? Are they, uh, is that, do they get a bum rap or are they a menacing kind of dog? I guess so. I mean, I've known people had them and they were fairly friendly. There's uh, there's one that, there's a, a Rottweiler that moved in uh, fairly near to us. Mm-hmm. And he sort of, he sort of kind of fronts a lot. Like if you go by the, if you go by the house, by the yard, uh, he'll sort of kind of lunge at the fence as though he's going to kill you. But you know what? My dog does that too when he's a tiny poodle. So I never know, I, I never know if any of those dogs are just sort of being unfairly tarred uh, or if there are dogs that are sort of, uh, you know, that you, you want to just stay away from. I mean, I have a lapse of that would tear somebody apart. <laughs> they're, they're small but vicious. They really, they really are. They really protect their homes. No. That's they, like don't, they don't like company at all. You know, when I was uh, talking to Laura about this. She made the observation that really dogs are, in this sense anyway, people say this all the time, but it really is true, that dogs are, in a sense, like people. Uh, you know, that there are basically two kinds of people. There are people who are... All we, there, there are people who are social butterflies. Let's say Sarah. There's people who, you know, they want to go out. They want to associate with other people. It's like, hey, what do you do? I'm going to go out. I'm going to have some fun, and I'm going to go find some people. We're going to do a thing. And then, then of course, on the other side of the table, then there are people like me. And I'm at home locking the door and shutting, you know, d- d- turning off, you know, d- 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 like lowering the blinds and locking everything so that no one, no one can get in to talk to me. So there's the let's go out and do something, and then there's the I'm in here, leave me alone. You know, stay away from me. And dogs are the same way. Uh, they're dogs that really want to go out and they want to be social and they want to go out and they want to associate with other people and they're, they're very outgoing and, you know, whatever. And then there are dogs that are at home and their whole thing is just to keep everybody away, just to keep everybody away from what they perceive to be their property, their area, their space. That's a, like a Lhasa. Lhasas totally do that, which is why Max does retarded things like lunging at birds. Birds, for the love of Christ. You can't fly. You're a dog. So, but this would be like a pigeon walking along the street, and he just goes mental and charges the thing. Why? His area. Then when anybody else there, who could disagree? All right. They do their job. Uh, let's take a break. We come back. Uh, we'll get some phone calls. If you're on hold, hang tight. We will get you around the corner. Coming up later on, uh, we'll play Goth or Not. Uh, we'll also have uh, today's top five and 14 songs you need to quit playing on the ballroom jukebox. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. This email says, Rick, it is abundantly clear you need to quit talking about science of any kind on your program. 
I can feel myself getting stupider with every moment you take trying to figure out if the moon is big or small. It's the same size. Quit talking about these stories. All right. How about this one? Who wants to hear another question that doesn't make any sense? Sure. I like them all. Okay. This is, uh, let's see, Rick. Uh, here's a random question. Do you know how many Asian languages read up to down instead of the English way of left to right? How does that work on the Internet? Are sites programmed differently? Do you, If you're on the Internet reading something written in an Asian language, do you have to scroll down and down and down and down and then up and up and up and up again and repeat over and over to read a news article online? Anyway, I don't know the answer to that, sir. We never did really get a definitive answer on the um, on the Japanese typewriter thing. But now that I think about this, this doesn't make any sense either. Because if you're because if Japanese languages read, if Japanese or there's been many Asian languages read up, you know, read from the bottom to the top, that really doesn't make any sense. Like if you go to a website that's really you know a web page that is sort of lengthy, do you have to scroll all the way to the bottom and then read your way back up to the top? Doesn't make any sense at all. It's completely perplexing. Anyway, all right. Uh, here's uh, Tim Riley. Oh, by the way, uh, New Time News is brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Call today and find out what Leif's can do for you. Jimmy Kimmel is sticking around. ABC announced moments ago Jimmy Kimmel Live will remain on the air at least through 2010. He has recently uh, seen his rating numbers rise. I don't even know what time that's on. This past season, he ranked better than CBS's The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Or he came close to uh, The Late Show with Conan O'Brien. He also got some extra exposure this month when ABC aired a 30-minute version of his show preceding its broadcast of the NBA Finals games. Oh, he, uh, O'Brien is expected to replace Jay Leno on The Tonight Show in 2009. Then Jimmy Fallon has already been named as a replacement for O'Brien. My brain is going to explode. <laughs> I was, and, uh, we might as well talk about the moon. I don't know. <laughs> and all of this for a day part that I would say is less and less important. Yeah. Uh, I think that these... And we've discussed sort of the late-night shuffle before, but I think that these late-night talk shows were much more important back when there were just fewer entertainment options because it was because if you were up late at night, it was really the only thing on, right? I'd rather watch an infomercial or some dust mop or something. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, it really, I would, too, actually. Um, I would. you're going to buy it. I would rather... <laughs> have you ever bought anything off an infomercial? Yes. And it has to have had an 800 number. It has to have been... It has to have been something... Here's the thing. I'll give you... the. the I'll give you these these uh, sort of qualifications. Have you bought something off an infomercial that a you didn't need? I guess that maybe that's it. I mean, maybe that is really the only qualification. What did you buy off an infomercial? Uh, tooth whitener. Did it work? No. <laughs> it, 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 I knew when I it, asked the question. And what was scary was the return address. For, for those China. For those familiar with the uh, the gang infested barrio of Los Angeles called Pacoima, the return address with the tooth whitener was Pacoima. And I'm wondering Okay. What's in this? The ashes of our enemies. Yeah. It's like who in Pacoima is packing tooth whitener? I think mostly they're packing something else. I've got two words, release and work. Uh-huh. Uh so the <laughs> That's like if you watch um the Michael Moore movie, the big one, where you, where you, they show the guy who's like doing your, I think it was TWA, the guy who's like booking your flight reservation for TWA, and he's like a, he's like a felon. I mean, literally, a guy in jail, like you know, like he's a guy in a prison work area behind huge like cages and, and glass and steel, and he's, okay, and you're gonna be flying out on Tuesday. What's your credit card number? Okay, what's your home address? You'll be gone for a week, and like that's the guy who's making your travel reservations. Is a felon who now knows your credit card information and when you'll be gone. Uh, so now were you up late at night, you saw it, and you went, "By God, that looks like a good value. Let me call now." Uh -huh. And you look in the 
Yeah, I think my teeth could use that. <laughs> you try, and well, it, then you get gifts from, from things that aren't available in stores, and then the next week they're everywhere. They're all available in stores. The not available the in stores—that is just one of the biggest scams ever foisted on a gullible public. Yeah, not seen in stores. Of course, it's seen in stores. It's seen in a store called As Seen on TV. Uh-huh. That's that's how you know it's in a store. Oh, there's what? a big one of those in Bremerton. Oh, I love that it? store. Oh, isn't there one in Lloyd Center? Of course there is, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) There, there absolutely is. Lloyd Center, which is sort of the Pacoma of (laughs) of malls. Pacoma. That is the Pacoma Mall, uh, Oregon location. Um, Uh, The latest thing that that was not supposed to be sold in stores uh, everywhere is the pet egg, which I got one as a gift. I don't know what that is. It's that thing that scrapes the dead skin off your feet. Oh, oh, I think you said pet egg, like with a T. Pet egg. Wait, so did you buy that, or was it, it was given to you? It was given to me because the person who bought it got an extra one because they called right now. <laughs> I mean, which really, does, which really does beg the question, Pen like, egg. how many eggs do you need for the dead skin on your feet? And, like, how, much, how many people do you know that really have lots of foot skin that needs taken off? No, no, no. I know seven people on my Christmas list who will all need to have their feet abraded. Well, okay. It has its own official site. Does it really? I'm going to right now. I'm going to find out. Does it work? The pet egg for you. Let's see here. The pet egg. Buy one, get one free. Plus, you get a bonus tube of Miracle Foot Repair. (laughs) Because you escaped all the skin off your feet, you need it. Is the Miracle Foot Repair just glue? Is it just like just some sort of plastic epoxy? Just put on the bottom of your feet. And what? Tired of dry, callous feet tearing your pantyhose? Tim. by how your feet look and feel? Sick <laughs> of the mess scrapers and files leave behind? Introducing the Pet Egg, the ultimate way to smooth beautiful feet. The Pet Egg has over 100 precision stainless So anyway, you skip the dead skin. Tim, your pantyhose constantly being torn <laughs> by your feet. <laughs> it's only pinned. microfiles to gently smooth and remove the roughest dry calyx. And it's easy to open up and dump the dead that's skin in the, the trap. Oh, that's disgusting. Ew, Why ew, did you just show me that? Why did you just show me? You have to go look at it. No, I don't <laughs> You have to go look at it. Look at the dead skin being dumped in the trash. <laughs> Why didn't somebody think of this before? Why didn't somebody oh, think of this before? That's what I'm saying, owned. <laughs> thin layer leaving perfectly smooth skin behind. It's great for moms, dads, daughters, grandmas, the whole family. Anyone with feet. It's ergonomically designed, fits perfectly in your hand, and it's perfectly safe and painless. It won't even burst its balloon. The pet egg gets my feet looking good, and I feel great. Pedicures are expensive. With the pet egg, I save money, and this my feet This is like sub-porn acting. My feet were in really bad shape. So my wife gave me the pet egg, and it works great. Stop wasting now time and money for so love. <laughs> I was just going to say, our sex life has never been better. <laughs> but wait, there's but more. Wait. Bonus, you'll get a second pet egg plus a tube of Miracle Foot Repair. Just pay separate shipping and handling. Miracle Foot Repair is the number one selling foot cream in America. How exactly Use does it, it after the pet egg to keep your feet silky smooth. Well, that's after you've the dead skin of the pet egg. I was just going to say, exactly how does it repair it's one's feet? This offer is not available in stores. Of course it's available. I guarantee we go to Lloyd Center right now, it's available in stores. The pet egg. That's fantastic. So it's an egg that you rub on Is your it like feet? a pumice stone? You know when you scrape potatoes? Like, yes. Like a potato scraper? Yeah. It's the same thing. Scraper. But, but the potatoes are your feet this time. <laughs> Ew, so you're like... That's like poetry. That's like really... It makes no sense, but it makes all the sense in the world. The Except for the potatoes feet. are your feet. Right. All right. That's so, the grossest thing you've but, ever seen. But you know, when I, was, but when I was a kid, my mom had a thing. That was like a pumice stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pumice is like volcanic rock. And it was a pumice stone because my mom had, uh, 
you know, are, man, can I, is there anything grosser than feet? I mean, why are feet so disgusting? We shouldn't find feet. Am I the only one that finds feet kind of gross? They're pretty gross. Yeah. I mean, but why? That seems unfair. I feel bad for well, feet. Spend... Use them to walk. Yeah, and they're like spend all day in your shoes, and they're like hot and smelly. I suppose, but your hands touch all kinds of disgusting things. You don't think your hands are gross? Feet. I feel bad for feet actually because they're sort of dip. What? That was weird. That was weird. Something, oh, something fell, fell off the wall. The wall. Yeah. Um, but uh, I feel kind of bad for feet because they're sort of. Everybody sort of feels that they're icky through no fault of their own. I think that you know they're an unfairly marginalized area of the body. Um, but my mom had this thing. It was like a pumice stone because she was a nurse, and so she was on her feet all the time, and so she could these like calluses or whatever. And it, it, and I mean, really, a callus on the bottom of your foot is not the make or break of your sex appeal to your husband. I would think. I mean, really, there's. I think you, you know, there's, there's probably larger issues there. And so my mom though would sit at home and she would just with this pumice stone on the bottom. <laughs> on the bottom, like whittling away bits of her feet. Ew, okay, can we just move off of this? I'm just saying it was the weirdest thing. Okay, it's the grossest thing. You All need right. to buy her a pet egg. That's what I'm saying, because she keeps tearing pantyhose. So, so would you say the pet egg works, Tim? I would say so, yes. Have you actually used it? I have. Okay, but you would say, but you give it a thumbs up? I do, but there was no dead skin on my feet. So oh, I saw so it, and it just took it down to the bone. <laughs> yeah. That's. A, I mean, I opened up the thing, and there was nothing in there, so... I guess the pet egg does work if you have a lot of dead skin on your feet, but I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Damn it, I wish if, I, if I could only have, only dead skin on I have more dead skin. What do you want for Christmas? <laughs> I want more dead skin on my feet. <laughs> that's like a. That's well, I tried it twice because the first time I opened up, there's nothing in there. What kind of a contraption is this? <laughs> contraption. Nothing makes it sound more modern than calling it a contraption. Um. Have you, did you think about using the pet egg on different parts of your body, hoping there'd be dead skin somewhere so you could see it work? You know, I'm not sure if it's recommended for other uh, limbs other than feet. <laughs> other limbs. Um, it's, you know, because you want to, like, this is like a total, like, curb your enthusiasm thing where he would be out, like, walking on hot coals all day long just to get dead skin that he could then take off with the pet egg. Mm -hmm. You know where you could probably get some dead skin, Tim? Elbows. Oh, that's... You should try it on your elbow. Try it right there. See? That's what I'm saying. Feel right there? Dead skin right there. You can probably take that off with the pen. I feel like elbow skin is too thin, though. Well, but your foot skin isn't that thick. Your foot skin's a lot thicker than your elbow skin. I mean, my elbows are really, yeah, that's really thin. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, wait. I don't want anything that's comparable to a potato shaver <laughs> on my elbows. Can I shave off part of your elbow skin? <laughs> that's like the last thing you hear before you go into a pit in a guy's basement. And I got some of your elbow skin. How about, wait, one final other thing. Maybe your knees. You know, because anywhere there's like those joints, I would say your knees might have some dry skin. No. You should try that, Tim. Let us know how it works. Okay. All right. Um, well, because you want to make, because... I don't understand, like, what's going on with your elbows and knees where you think that something that's like shaving skin off of your feet is, like, good for that. Like, it's just too thin. I feel like that would just, like, cut off chunks of my skin. Would you say, is it metal? The the pet egg? The scraping part. Yeah. It's metal. Really? Yeah. All right. I need to look at what this thing. I is almost like. want to buy one and just just try it on things now. Um, but but you know what it is. But it's like. But do you feel strangely unsatisfied that it didn't uh, do what it did for you when it did on the commercial? Like it didn't have the dead skin in it afterward. Well, I'm happy that I don't have dead skin. I suppose. Uh, no, I mean, that's one less thing I have to worry about. You know what it. Is? You know what it is. It's like when. Um, it's like when you're vacuuming. Do you ever do this? When you were vacuuming the house, and 
your vacuum fails to pick something up because it's like too deeply enmeshed on the carpet or whatever. There's like, you know, there's like maybe like a, like a piece of grass or something from outside or whatever. And it's sort of down in the carpet fibers. And you will run the vacuum over the object or like a string sometimes on your carpet and it won't pick it up. Do you ever do this? Do you ever go down and pick up the object and set it back on the carpet and then go to, to give the vacuum cleaner another chance? Yes. That's see, I do that too. I'm just looking at pictures of the pet egg, I'm sorry, and like seeing her dump her skin into the <laughs> garbage. But it's so convenient. Hey, come in here and watch me dump my skin into the garbage. Honey, don't I look sexy so now? Gross. <laughs> it's like it, it, what is it's like a cheese grater right. for your feet. It's, it's, disgusting. For it's just like when we were first married. Hey, look at all this skin. <laughs> like you don't want to put that anywhere in your body, Rick. Don't think, uh, oh, that would just like take off your skin. I'm just saying. So, all right. But I mean, you know, but who that might just be the refreshing thing that your like your face needs perhaps. I mean, maybe if you feel like you're grizzled or something. So, so instead of eating all those unhealthy snacks when you're alone, you can use the pet egg and fill up that extra time. <laughs> that's you know what it is. That's how I can get rid of this annoying skin around my middle. Just a little flabby. Let me just abrade it away with the pet egg. Except it'll be just like a stomach egg. Uh, KCMD Portland. So, in any event, well, how did this even start? Oh, infomercial. Sarah, anything from an infomercial? That I remember? You, oh, you have purchased I anything from an no. infomercial? Really? No. you got to buy something off an infomercial at least once in your life. got to live a little. you got to buy something from SkyMall, no, Sharper, Image, even, and an infomercial. I don't think I've even come close. You what? know what? I, yes? Oh, no, no, because I, I do have something from SkyMall, but that was purchased for me. You know what I bought? Soba Cow Pillow. I totally bought the soba cow like pillow. the rice-filled pillow? No, no, no. It's not rice. They're buckwheat hulls. Not husks. Oh, I remember Hulls. That. Yeah. Remember who advertised the soba cow pillow? Jenny Lee Harrison from Three's Company. It was Jenny Lee Harrison, and then there was, uh, you know, like a, like an Asian guy who was there. And it was it was so great and terrible. I could probably find it uh, on, on the YouTube. But it was so great because every time the Asian guy who had, like, a degree in Asianology or whatever would come on and he would be like... Asianology? But, you know, it's one of those things of, like, you know, Eastern... And that's how you can peddle anything to the American public. You know, Eastern medicine has, for many, many years, known the benefits of... And as soon as you use the words Eastern medicine... It's like gullible white people immediately open that. That's my wife drinking that tea that's just mold. Whatever it is, that kom- kombucha, kombucha. Kombucha. Com- All you have to do is have somebody bang that gong. That's what They know they're getting... Exactly. That's a- something I never heard of before. Ancient Chinese secret, eh? Let me drink it. Uh, and so, yeah, but you go into my kitchen at home right now, and there's probably there's tea fermenting with three inches of mold on top of it. Why? Uh, because some guy said, you know, Eastern doctors have used forever the miracle cure of mold. My wife, all right, fine, you know, and then, and then you know, and then she'll drink it while going to a woman's place bookstore in Hawthorne. Uh, but every time the Asian doctor would come on the screen, Jenny Lee Harrison, every time he would speak, they would immediately start playing that music in the background. That's like you're at the massage place. It's like the uh, like the weird sort of ting-ling-ling sort of sound, you know, it's like a, whatever instrument that is. It's like some sort of a weird sort of Asian-sounding harpsichord. And, like, flute music in the background. So, like, every time he would share his Asian wisdom, there would be, like, a... Playing in the background. And at one point, there's this great moment in the Soba Cowie infomercial where he's explaining how the buckwheat hulls... Not husks, but hulls. How the buckwheat hulls will spring back... Uh, to like their normal, like they will spring back into their normal shape when you're done sleeping. In other words, they don't get crushed over time. And so he goes... Jenny Lee Harrison, these buckwheat holes will maintain their shape. And she said, well, I don't believe that's true. And so he, she lays her head down on the pillow. She lifts her head back up from the pillow. She looks down, and she says, why, the buckwheat holes have retained their shape. And the guy goes, I told you, Jenny Lee Harrison. 
and, and then it's punctuated by the music in the background. And you know what? I, I, I swear to Christ, I picked up the phone and I bought it right then. <laughs> I've still got it at home, I think. I should That's bring it in. the deal. <laughs> I told you, Jenny Lee Harrison. <laughs> and then the Asian music plays, and I was helpless. I was helpless. I had no choice. I had no choice. I picked up the phone and I paid $39 for a pillow filled with buckwheat holes. It's like you're hypnotized walking with your arms out toward the <laughs> telephone. Totally. Oh, man. Jesus. Um, all right. Well, that's fantastic. Oh, wait. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, let's see. We've got... <laughs> How you doing, Tim? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> let's see. We've got um, calls about Asian language and feet. Calls about an infomercial. This one says, wife, I'm sorry, wife horrified of feet. Let's listen. To, let's hear what this guy has to say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, guys. How What's you up? doing? Hey. Hey. Yeah, my wife is horrified of feet. Whenever the topic comes up about fears, you know, some people it's clowns, spiders. She even has a hard time saying that it's feet because she's so, she feels that it's, it's a stupid thing to be afraid of. But she, uh, Wait, so she has like a whole foot. It's like a, is it a phobia? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's more like it's just the skin on the feet. So you should have seen her face when she saw that pet egg infomercial. Really? Now was it? Now was she was she made happy by the pet egg infomercial in that she could get rid of that pesky skin, or did she not even like the whole did the whole concept horrify no, her? No, no, it horrified her because that that skin on the feet, that clammy kind of rough, uh, you know, just the whole thickness of the skin on the feet just is what really irritates her and makes her sick. So when she saw that. Her face turned white, and no kidding, she started breathing heavily and had to leave the room. Excellent. I mean, not for her. All right. Thank you, my friend. Yes. All right, Take care. Great show. Right. I told you, Jenny Lee Harrison. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, I was just going to comment on your qualifier when you said, name something that you bought in an infomercial that you didn't need. Yes. That's by default. Anything that shows up in an infomercial would be something you don't need. I suppose. I I would imagine that those are by definition sort of. I mean, because infomercials, wouldn't you agree that they're the, they're the Sky Mall catalog of TV? It's the uh, 21st century snake oil train. Yeah. I mean, some of those things are great, though. And, I, you know, I have gone on ad nauseum about my George Foreman grill, which I love. Well, that is the exception to the rule. The yeah. George Foreman grill is gruel grill. Gruel. Uh, no, that is that maybe is the exception that proves the rule because everything else you buy in an infomercial, it's typically crap. Um, Most of the time. Yeah, and it's like and, and, and but don't you see this? Don't when you watch infomercials and you see them advertising some miracle product. Here's the thing: in your heart, I say, actually tapping my heart here in the studio, emphasis here. I say, I say like um, like Al Pacino in any given Sunday. It's all about here. Um, but when you're watching an infomercial and they're talking about some miracle product. In fact, when I was in San Diego, I was uh, we were at a pizza place. I was kind of waiting on a slice, and so we're sitting there, and I'm watching the TV. And they, I don't even know what it was, but they were showing an infomercial on this TV in this pizza place. And it was for some, you know, like one of those chamois things that, like, you, you know, like a, like a, like you buff a car with or whatever. It's like a, like a really super absorbent towel, like a microfiber towel. Right. And they were doing that thing. The, I guess the, 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 the gimmick of this towel was it was like ultra, it was hella absorbent. It was like the most absorbent thing ever. And so they were doing what they used to do with tampons and baby diapers, where they were showing, like, what the other guy's towel does. And, like, the other guy's towel doesn't take up any of the water. And then they just take this one, like, super chamois, and they lay it down, and they just barely set it on the counter. And then they lift it back up, 
every single drop of water gone off the counter, and then they wring it out into the sink, and you see that it absorbed like 70 gallons of water. Like something you know can't like a, actually have a whole ocean. Totally. Like something you know that doesn't work. And so when you Somebody watch... Somebody to drop some in Iowa right now. We, when you that should that should totally be just we should totally try to get like a like a, a plane a hundred million tampons yeah. to drop on i on Iowa. If we were a kooky morning show, we would completely be doing that. Um, but when you but when you see an infomercial like that and it's a miraculous product in your heart, don't you have the twin warring impulses of a I know this doesn't work, but b boy I wish it worked. Like you 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 want it to work, right? You want the miracle product to actually function as advertised. No. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Great show. Thanks. Thank you. Well, they like there's always and it's with stain removal products too. They'll oh, always do that thing of what's oh, that? What is Kaboom? Oh, the shyster on TV is always selling these miracle <laughs> products. <laughs> kaboom! Why would you even buy something called Kaboom? It's just it just sounds like it gets the job done. It was beautiful colored water. What is it? It removes all kinds of stains supposedly, but it doesn't uh -huh. do anything. <laughs> In your experience, it does not work as advertised? No. But I didn't order from TV, though. I saw it at Lowe's. So I had a little extra money. Why don't I buy some Kaboom? Because it, it cleans showers like magic. It did not. It, most of the bottle is still underneath the sink. Cleaned your wallet like magic. Um, well, OxyClean is another one. Kaboom must have sounded to me slamming it on the floor after it didn't work. Instead of you angrily throwing it into the trash and slamming down the lid. Uh, they'll do that thing with with OxyClean or whatever it is, though, where the guy will, I mean, where it's just ludicrous. I mean, where the guy will take like a, here's a white carpet, here's a gallon of squid ink, you know, and he'll dump it into the carpet. An elephant just defecated on this carpet. See how easy it is to clean up. And, and then just a pea-sized drop of OxyClean. <laughs> carpet immediately clean. Right and you know that it doesn't work. You know it doesn't work. You know, you know, you know in your heart it doesn't work. But goddamn, you want it to work. I want an American. I must buy something that's on TV. That's exactly it. Yeah. Wait, which thing? OxyClean totally works. Really? Absolutely. I Do you own in. OxyClean? Yes. I, I had a, a like a tan skirt, like an almost white skirt, and I spilled an entire glass of red wine on it. And it completely got it out. Got it, it couldn't even tell that it, that it even Is that true? It's completely You should true. bring it in here, I say to the horror of the engineers. We'll stain the floor and then try to get... Seriously, Seriously it, was, it was a beige skirt. I spilled a glass of burgundy wine on my skirt. I went and I, I put some oxyclean. I rubbed some oxyclean on it, let it soak in a bucket for like 20 minutes, pulled it out. Completely clean, like it was totally gone. I know this is like sort of a MythBusters thing, but we should completely do. We should completely just start testing some of these infomercial products to see if they work. Remember when in the nineties there was that thing about the ion balls that you put in your uh, laundry? Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. You were probably too young for this. Um, they, they, was that an Asian thing too? No, it was. It was. It was a moron thing. <laughs> I mean, it was a thing that like they that it, somebody gave to a here the, in the nineties. They were selling this thing. And they were uh, you, there was a company in Utah that made these, and they just got sued into oblivion. By the way, Sarah, your lunch is here. Yes. Dave Zinn is delivering your lunch. Thank you, Dave Zinn. Thank you, Dave Zinn. You're a good person. All right. Um, but in the, in the 90s, they sold these things. They were called ion balls, and it was like little plastic. Imagine, um, you know, like those eggs that you get out of the uh, mach the toy machine where you put in a quarter, and it's like a little Easter egg. Imagine like those, but they were they were balls. They were perfectly spherical, like thin plastic balls. And the deal is you would buy two of them, and they were supposedly filled with, what, like negatively charged ion particles, like whatever, something like that. 
And the the shtick was that you would put them in the washing machine or whatever with your clothes. Uh-huh. No soap needed. And then your clothes would be, would you know, it would just come out spotless. Your clothes would come out perfect because they were, because these balls were filled with. Ne- I mean, it just sounds stupid to say it out loud, right? The balls were filled with negatively charged ion particles that magically pulled dirt out of your clothes. And at one point, I think somebody like did like your thing of like getting some dirt on a pair of pants. I don't know. I'll put these in the wash with the ion balls. I think they might have even pitched that you could just put them in the dryer that you didn't even need water. I mean, it was just so ludicrous. And at one point, somebody decided to sue the company because they just opened up, they'd opened up the iron balls and they were just filled with sawdust. <laughs> it was fantastic. Really? Literally, they were just, this one company, like, literally sawdust. They opened the iron balls and there was just sawdust. We, oh, you can still buy them. Can you? Uh, Six ninety nine for two. Is this online? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, there was a, I won't name it, but there was a, uh, because I think litigation is still ongoing, but there was a uh, popular um, uh, a pill, a diet supplement that was sold for men uh, for a long time that uh, promised to uh, enlarge the size of your member. Uh, it, uh, it, you know, you would, you would go from, uh, you'd go from regular to magnum. Uh, and so, but so somebody at one point decided to take the pills apart and were just filled with chalk. <laughs> and I don't mean colloquially oh, chalk. So I mean like blackboard chalk, like like chalk that you write like I will not sell deceptive advertising products a thousand times on the board. It was just filled, and you just picture some guy, you know, like in one of those Peruvian cocaine rooms. You just picture some guy in a room with a, a big a thousand like empty capsule things and a big bucket of chalk, just going <laughs> putting them into a, you know, selling them to idiot Americans. Jesus. Uh, well, we'll resume the news here in a moment. Let's uh, let's do two more on this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. What's up? Hey, isn't that guy that sells all that stuff Billy something? Well, we probably shouldn't identify anybody by name. That seems like a well, bad he idea. He says it on the commercials every time. Hi, this is Billy, what the, what the hell, of whatever his name is, for OxyClean. I don't know. Well, who's that guy that used to be on Amazing Discoveries, which was an infomercial, and it was that bastard in the knit Argyle sweater? Yep. You know what I'm talking about? I was a paid audience member for the Amazing Cyber Slicer. Oh, man, I hate that guy. I hate that guy so much. Whoever he is, the guy in the cable knit sweater, I just loathe him. But, you know, each of those things took like 100 takes, so you really had to work in keeping that smile. Really? Yeah. I would figure they would just do all the audience reactions up top, and then they would just do all their crap later. Well, they went and got reaction shots from certain people afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was these things would break or not work, so it took a million takes. <laughs> and this guy would have to continue to smile even though the stuff was, like, breaking every time he used it. I'm surprised that somebody hasn't written sort of a, an interesting sort of, like, one of those tell-all magazine articles about that, about, like, I was an infomercial clapper. Well, the funny thing was, you know, these these things were uh, made to slice open frozen food. They would put the frozen food in the microwave, and sometimes it was too long, so um, it would just go, because it was left in for too long. It would just collapse. Yeah, so yeah. they had to do it again. All right. Thank that, you, my That's how those uh, knives worked. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, Okay. All right, well, did you have more? I was just going to say that, you know, that, that that one guy for OxyClean, it's like going to the fair. Where the guy is like, where the, he's like the guess your weight guy? Yeah, I mean, all of his commercials are the same. I mean, you know, they're like such and such for whatever product, and it's like, do you ever, 
you know, do you ever spill grape juice on your carpet? And he gets up the chamois and the OxyClean. And, well, you know, you know, those guys are all just sort of emulating Ron Popeil, who is the king of all those things. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. The thing about Ron Popeil is, and I've, you know, I, his book is fantastic. He has a book called Salesman of the Century, which is really good. The thing about Ron Popeil is his products actually, and I can't believe I'm saying this, are really useful. They actually address needs that the average person has. That's the difference between Ron Popeil and so many informers. Ron Popeil actually looks and he does see a problem uh, that that needs solving, and his products are like that. Some of them are just useless, though. Like, um, not useless. Some of his products are the definition of of frivolity. Like he has that thing that allows you to 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 uh, uh, scramble an egg still in the shell. I mean, there's really no need for that, except that it's kind of cool. So yeah, no, they pocket fisherman. I must go fishing right now. My dad owned the pocket fisherman. I still have one. Really? Yes. Excellent. What is the pocket fisherman? Uh, sir, describe a pocket fisherman for Sarah Dillon. It's a real rod combination that is about uh, a foot and a half long, and it has its own storage compartment for your lures and hooks. It'll fit in your purse. Yeah, it's like everything you need to fish, and it's about like that. I mean, it's like, yeah, it, it is it like a... Oblongish shape. Yeah, I mean, it's tiny, but it's everything, theoretically, that you need to go fishing. And, yeah, you, the, the gimmick was you could just stick it in your briefcase. And okay. it was yeah. everything. You the need to fish. Yeah, so, so in case, you know, between big meetings at the firm. Yeah, you... but the, if the fish is over eight inches long and more than a couple pounds, the line just breaks right off. And... Yeah. No, it, it yeah. sort of works, theoretically speaking. Yeah. It's like one of those things you would see advertised in the back of a comic book. <laughs> like the ten-in-one scope. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah, but All right. sea monkeys. Yeah, bye now. All right, there you go. Hey, that's another thing from my, my documentary of many documentaries. Sea I want, monkeys? Yeah, sea monkeys. Seriously, a whole thing about sea monkeys. I can't remember if I ever bought sea monkeys or not. I never did. I think, I think my dad had them. Yeah, I think um, I think I bought some sea monkeys a long time. Oh, you know, speaking of which, now that it's warm, i got to order my ants for my ant farm. Because I bought that ant farm, but I bought it in winter, and they won't, they won't ship the ants until it's warm. Uh, I was thinking about bringing the ant farm and having it live here in the studio. Totally. I mean, it's completely sealed. But, you know, I've shown you it glows in the dark. Or, it's you know, it's phosphorescent or whatever it is. It's like it glows blue. Because it's not sand. It's like that glow, that uh, glowing blue gel. So I'm thinking I'll bring that in here. Um, I don't think I ever bought sea monkeys, though. I did buy the 10 and 1 scope. How many ants have you got? I literally have, like, a kitchen full of ants. Maybe I could catch some for you and give them to you. It does say that you can actually catch your own ants because the deal is they give you the ants, and then the ants live for, I don't know, 90 days or something, and then they they start to die out. And it's like you can get replacement ants, but it does say, actually, that you can get ants just from around the neighborhood as long as they're all kind of the same kind. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're not getting, like, war, like, you know, because then it's like a whole Crips and Bloods thing, you know, happening, like, in your ant colony or whatever. Where do the ants come from? The ants that I'm going to buy? Yeah. I don't know, from, uh, from, like, their ant factory. I don't Who know when farms you, ants. I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Um, but, but yeah, but when I bought, I bought it at Brookstone, and there's like a little thing that you put in the mail, and they'll ship you the ants. So I, I, I would imagine. How much do ants cost? Well, I think this is just the shipping. I think it's like three bucks or whatever. I think it's like my first order of ants. This whole this sounds so surreal. My first order of ants, though, I think was included in the price of the ant farm. So that's been sitting at home. I'm just waiting for it to get warm. Uh, but I think for like three bucks, they'll send me the shipment of ants. And then I think supplemental ants I got to pay for, but they said you can also just catch them around the neighborhood. But yeah, you don't want to be like a whole warriors thing. So you got to like uh, you got to make sure that if you, you get your own ants, they're all Both the same kind. The same side of the tracks. Totally, that's what I'm saying. Um, so does the package say caution? You, you don't want to be getting some sort of ant Montague and Capulet uh, thing happening. Um, what? Does the package when it arrives say caution ants? That's a good question. I don't know. I would imagine it would say like must you know do not refrigerate or must keep you know maybe live cargo or something. Mm-hmm. 
Because they used to do the thing in the early days of radio where you could buy chickens in the mail. They were like, you would listen to Wolfman Jack and he would sell you baby chicks. And they would always arrive dead. <laughs> like, like, it was so sad. He would, Wolfman Jack, buy some baby chicks. And then, like, you would send off $3. And, like, you were just getting these dead baby chicks in the mail, which I imagine traumatized a whole generation of radio listeners. My baby chicks are here. And you open them. And it's just like the static shot of all the dead chickens in your mail. Oh, God. It's like that time my uncle sent me a tarantula. So, all right. Ew. I, you know that story. No, was it alive still? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know I've told no, you that I story. Don't. Tim, do you remember the story? No. no. Um, yeah, my uncle, who lived in a place called, you know where Silmar is. Um, yeah. He lived in Silmar, and the uh, still does, I think. And um, and the deal is there was, um, uh, you know, there are tarantulas around there. Something. Like you go off, you know, sort of in the desert, like in California. I mean, not, not just in California, but if you go off into the, sort of the desert areas, you know, you'll see tarantulas. And... I had gone to stay with my uh, my aunt and uncle for a while, and he had made the mistake of telling me, you know, sometimes you'll see tarantulas around here. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm like 12. You know, that's, that's the best thing ever. And I made the mistake of saying, like, that's so cool. I'd love to have a tarantula. And he sort of filed that information away. You know, in retrospect, this is all kinds of crazy that he did this. So he, I think he just made a note to himself about that. One day, uh, the, the post comes, and we go out there, and, hey, look, it's uh, whatever, and here's a brown box for me. And it was just, it was quite literally a brown paper package tied up with string. And also that had some had some holes jabbed in the side of it. And I, I, it was like months after this conversation, so I never kind of put it together in my head. I swear to Christ, I just, I, I you know, take off the string, I open the package, and there's a big-ass tarantula inside. It wasn't black, it was a big brown one. It's a huge brown tarantula that my uncle had just stuck in a box and mailed to me. Did you keep it? Oh, yeah. I completely kept it. Because, you know, I'm terrified of, or I was terrified of spiders, but tarantulas actually sort of didn't, it's like they're so big they almost don't count to me. Like a weird thing. That was just, a, maybe that's just the way I work. But like, like a little spider, I was not, I mean, I'm not anymore, but I used to be terrified of spiders, but it's like tarantulas were so huge, they almost were a different creature altogether to me. Sort of like a little uh, tiny, it's sort of, you know what it is? It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like a, a like a, a, uh, like a scorpion versus a lobster, you know? Okay. Like a lobster so big. Like if a lobster was tiny and it was on your bed, you'd be terrified. Uh, but this, the tarantula was so big, I was kind of... Anyway, so I put it in an aquarium and I took it to school. I was the coolest kid at school because uh, I had a tarantula named Igor. Uh, and, uh, you know, and he lived for, I don't know, a year, year and a half, something like that. And he'd like, you'd dump in crickets and he would attack them and it was pretty righteous. So, yeah. But my uncle just sent me a tarantula in the mail one day. No warning. That's pretty hilarious. So all, I mean, imagine me. Imagine you just you get a paper package in the morning, you open, and there's a there's a spider that's six inches across. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. You know that I think about it, that was kind of effed up that he did that. Jesus. All right. Lucky right. the tarantula didn't open up the envelope himself. I, I mean, really, honestly. I mean, that's why I wouldn't want a tarantula in my house because I'd be afraid that it could figure out how to open up some kind of cage and just crawl all but over. But it was a house. super mecha tarantula. Yeah. Or safe. <laughs> it was. You see it because repelling out of its cage of, at night. Muppet can get out of rooms that, uh, like, the doors are sealed, the windows are sealed, yet I'll, like, turn around and all of a sudden he's standing right next to me. And I don't know how he gets he's out. He's apparated out of the room. Yeah. I, yeah. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's do something different and uh, go pay our respects to uh, Tom Russick. His uh, televised memorial is underway. President Bush and the First Lady showed up at the school in northwest Washington to pay tribute to NBC's Washington Bureau Chief. His friend uh, Phil Donahue was also there to pay his respects. It was very important to him that he be <laughs> truthful, honest, and uh, work hard. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I think it's because I imagine someone trying to run down Phil Donahue while he's talking. Can you believe that again? 
Sure. I don't know Still why that was. You, please. Please. I don't know why that was. It was so very funny. important to him that he be <laughs> truthful, honest, and uh, work hard. I just I don't know. Ralph Nader shares his thoughts. Look at all the people. Isn't that a testimony to him? That's the end. That's it. That was his thought. Okay. Phil Donahue. I wonder what he's doing these days. He's sitting at home. Sitting at home, being cranky. Well, he's married to Marlo Thomas. I suppose. The ageless Marlo Thomas. Does she still look good? Yeah. All right. Good for you, Phil Donahue. All right. Uh, Jasper County Councilman, this is in South Carolina, is hoping to ban uh, underwear exposing saggy britches. Uh, These are pants that fall below the waist. Leroy Blackshear says he's created an ordinance that'll make it a crime for teens to wear pants that fall three inches below oh, their God. waistline. This is another story that we get every six months. Exposing their intimates. If they are wanting to expose their underwear, then why not put their pants on first and put their underwear on over their pants? <laughs> Hello there. What? If they are wanting to expose their underwear, then why not put their pants on first and put their underwear on over their pants? What accent is, is that? Where South is Carolina. This? Rachel in South Carolina. Jasper County. So that is a South Carolina accent. I suppose so, yeah. Okay. So the fine will be 30 years in jail. Uh, 30, <laughs> 30, 30, 30 years in jail. And a raping. <laughs> and a $500 fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I'll read this one email. Rick, any discussion of infomercials needs to mention the best infomercial ever, the magic bullet. Yeah. Um, I totally know the Magic Bullet. Have you seen the Magic Bullet infomercial? It's like a little blender. I don't believe so. Magic Bullet, by the way, is also the name of a popular vibrator for women, I believe. Um, I'm pretty. Isn't there a vibrator called the Magic Bullet? It's like a little cylinder. Oh, please, like you don't, I don't know. know. We've only been given ten thousand vibrators by Taboo the only Adult vibrator Video. My name is the Rabbit. Right. I don't know about the Magic. I'm sure there's some. Is the Rabbit the one that um, yes. has like the little plastic balls inside of it? Yes. Like a little kid's vacuum cleaner that mm-hmm. you push. Um. Anyway, the uh, let's see. The whole infomercial is set the day after, where there's the most inexplicable conglomeration of people gathering to eat breakfast at someone's house. The people are such amazing stereotypes, from the bathrobe-clad guy who obviously drank too much, the crotchety old lady with bad glasses with a cigarette lighter dangling from her mouth, a perky, yuppie couple, and then, for no reason, the British house owners who proceed to make 37 meals using the magic bullet. It's mesmerizing. I've never seen the beginning of the infomercial, so I have no explanation as to how these people uh, all woke up in the same house together. Um, anyway, so, um, and blah, blah, blah. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a high school valedictorian, Lucas Zyblut, is, <laughs> is so sought after that he has actually turned on college offers from Princeton, Yale, Columbia, Dartmouth, Cornell, Penn State, Georgetown, Stanford, and NYU. Does his mother, Felina Spleens, have something to say? He might. He explained his decision to apply to so many schools during an appearance on this morning's Today Show. I thought of myself a great candidate, but I was n- I was never certain of getting into any single one college. What about Zyblot? So he's going to Harvard. All right. He's going to be in his career in the fall. Okay. He was oh he was turned down by MIT. He's 18 year olds. He's from Brooklyn. And uh, let's go to California now, where hundreds of uh, same sex couples are applying to get married. Of course, there are protesters outside calling them bad names. Many of these uh, people don't care. It's irrelevant because I think most of California is fair-minded and excited for us. Those are narrow-minded people who refuse to see the importance and recognize and celebrate. When two people find each other, that's kind of hard to do. Well, it's a democracy. You know, they're entitled to make spectacles of themselves. Uh, Palm Springs Mayor Steve Punya uh, sent his marriage to Dean Seymour and... Wait a minute. He's getting married to two people? 
Uh, you know, that's it starts with gays, Tim. Mm. Oh, he says. He'll be marrying, marrying a horse next. I see. The mayor, <laughs> Steve Punya, says the marriage of Dean Seymour and Philip Covido was an emotional experience. When you see two people so committed with unconditional love for each other, in this case, they've been together eight years and they have the opportunity to, to formalize that in marriage, it's very, very special. Okay. An Oregon woman will rollerblade naked in the 4th of July parade. Ashlyn Chamber of Commerce learned that Jen Moss, known as the Naked Lady... Oh, God. But see, she's known as the Naked Lady, right? She's moved to Ashland... Of course. ...from California. Mm-hmm. Now she's promised to lead inline skaters at the Ashland 4th of July parade wearing only a hemp G-string. <laughs> and bl- Sarah's expression right now is and, gold. And blowing a conch shell. <laughs> That's C-O-N-C-H. Shell. <laughs> The Chamber of Commerce. That seems like a lot of strain that I don't want to see rolling around on skates. I mean... Yes? You gotta put some effort behind blowing a conch shell. That's just gross. If you see a crack somewhere, take a hawk with you and try to seal that that crack up. If they are wanting to expose their underwear, then why not put their pants on first and put their underwear on over their pants? It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch. <laughs> so the Chamber of Commerce in uh, Ashland says this uh, conch blowing is, uh, is contrary to the rules of a family celebration. It's conch. Is oh. it conch? I thought it was conch. I've done it, Tim. Uh, it's, everybody thinks it's conch, but it is pronounced conch. Conch. Tim, what is what is the hemp thong's name? <laughs> the hemp thong. I'm totally thinking the same thing. What is her name? Uh, the naked lady. But what is her actual name? Uh, I'm looking here. Her name is Jen Moss. One N. Yes. M O S S. Jen Moss. The, the, the naked, naked lady. lady. They don't believe that someone in the parade who is topless and nearly naked is appropriate for family audiences. The parade rules clearly indicate that entries must be appropriate for family audiences. Um, there's a lot of Jen Mosses here, but I'm, I don't know who... We want the naked one. Well, or do we? I just don't know. All right, here we go. I found an enviro- uh, environmental activist, Jen that, Moss. That's, that's probably, probably her. her. How does she look? A hemp G-string, really? Yeah. You just got to throw that away when you're done, right? I mean, that's... No cleaning that. I suppose. All right. Uh, do you, Is there a photo? No, I can't find anything. Mm, darn it. Well, I mean, don't you just assume... I don't know, but don't you just assume that because she's going to be, you know, blah, 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 naked? If anyone wants to be naked in public, they're usually really ugly. Oh, wait, here we go. Hold on. That's usually the way it is, isn't it? Uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, they have, they have that old rhino skin. Oh, she's freaky looking. She's oh, not she's ugly, there. but she's crazy looking. Here's another one. Jen Moss, the naked lady, to march in town parade. You know, but she's just one of those people. That... I know that this is the wrong city in which to say this, because Portland's very progressive and liberal well, and whatever. Well, actually Ashland. But, 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 I mean, you know, in Oregon in general, we're, we're sort of a, you know, a, a, a whatever kind of people. But don't you kind of hate people who are sort of aggressively naked? Yes. You know what I mean? It's Look, and I don't mean any disrespect, but that guy who called yesterday and was in the naked bicycle race or whatever, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm certainly not, you know, whatever. Be well, nude, don't be nude. Way, because, like... It's like forcing forcing themselves upon you. That's the thing. And it's like... Like, they're making the choice for you. It's like, well, do I want to decide whether or not I want to see someone naked or do I not? And it's like, oh, hey, you don't have any clothes on. Thanks. And, you know, and and you and hit, and you hit on something else here. Don't you also feel this? Well, like, with people who really are do, the, like, the whole forced voyeurism where, like, you have to see them. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel this? Like, 
they're really disingenuous about it, too, because on the one hand, it's like they know it's a big deal and it's like shocking and scandalous. But then they always do this like feigned air of like, so what? What are you looking at? We're just naked. But like, but, they, but then like they know, you know what I mean? Like they pretend that they don't know what the big deal is, but clearly they know the big deal. Like that's the thing is they just come off like they just come off like jackass. I saw a bunch of naked people yesterday. Where? Well, because I went to that to, to the swimming pool, and it's been so like it's weird. I just like a bunch of like fully grown women just wandering around completely naked. In the oh, like in a room. locker room? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's it was I mean... bizarre. And like Lisa, my friend Lisa was like you know rinsing off before we got into there, and there was this giant naked woman just standing there staring at her. Like, just full on, like, Brazenly no underwear, no staring. nothing. Just yeah. staring. She's like, you've got the good shower. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, but even that, I just like, you can cover yourself up a little bit. I understand you're in a women's locker room, but yeah, I, wow. But, you like, know, I, you're, like, sitting naked, like, on the gross bench. I, you know, and I like to think that I was going to say straddle, uh, but I like to think that I walk, you know, like, if you're in a locker room, look, there's, I'm not saying one needs to be unnecessarily ashamed, but on the other hand, like in other words, if, if you like, you know, guys, if you're the guys in a locker room at the, you know, at the gym, you know, or whatever, um, you know, it look fine. It's under you're in the gym, you know, you got to take off your clothes, put another clothes. Not a big deal. Everybody sort of knows knows the deal. But 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 as you said, there are people who, like, you get the feeling that that they're either secretly nudists and like that's their chance to sort of like do it, or B that they are sort of compensating in the sense that they want to let you know how not uptight they are. No, 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 I'm really ca- I'm comfortable with my body and nudity. I'm not uptight. Look at me. Look how I'm just nude here. Look at my goods. Seriously, that's exactly it. You can see my vagina. Don't you see how not uptight I am? Yep, vagina. And, I mean, you're just sitting there kind of going, okay, I I get it. You're comfortable with your... But turn away, you know, and that's... But that's my thing with the naked bicycle riders is, like, we all know that you're doing it to be wacky, so, like, you should, like, drop the feign sort of, like, I don't know what people are looking at. It's We're only 2008 nude bicycle riders. It's just sort of it's just sort of smug. It kind of rubs rubs me the wrong way. Uh, yeah, there's no picture of this girl. Where did you see a picture of her? Oh, I just uh, Google Jen Moss. There's uh, if you go to Jen Moss and then click on Google Images. Jen Moss Google I think Images. I found her MySpace page. Uh, I did. I did find her MySpace page. Let's see here. Google. All right. So if everyone wants to follow along, her MySpace page is. Do um, I go to Images? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I've Googled Jen Moss, but I don't see any MySpace results. No, I finally Googled. Um, God damn it, of course my computer's crashing. Jen Moss, naked. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Maybe if I go to... God um, damn it. There's a lot of difficult, a lot of work to go through to find somebody who you you yourself say is freaky looking. Well, she's no, I'm, she's kind of pretty, but she has, like, the crazy eyes. Really? Well, okay, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... All right, here we go. Time. All right. Whoa, there's a lot of... Ew, there's a lot of, like, porny yoga poses. Of course there are. Gross. You know why? She's free with her body, Sarah. Why are you so uptight? Lose your inhibitions. Wow, that is not somebody I want to see naked. Can I? Uh, can I see? Yeah, I'm just I'm picking up this um, <laughs> the biggest picture. I like, and the more you say that I don't want to see her naked, the more that I somehow want to. All right, here we go. Ready? Uh huh. All right. One, and... two, three. Oh no! Bad. Oh, that's no, too bad. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The street. No, no, no. You'll forgive the pun. The street continues. About a, a naked person who who really <laughs> ought to be covered. And that face of hers, that's not doing her any favors. Maybe just the body. Keep the face covered. That might help her out a little bit. I'm wearing hemp. It's the fabric of our lives. Oh, you shut it. Not you. But no. I know. All right. Um, Jesus, it's 135. It is. Oh, jeez. Let's do one more. We'll take a break. Come back. Mr. Skin, top five. And Tim Rabbit. 
So I have a whole bunch of Florida stories here. Really? Stories from where? Florida. I'm sorry. That's not the Florida sounder. A band of women dressed as nurses are stalking and robbing female elderly shoppers in Florida. Yes, a band of women disguised as nurses are preying on old ladies. The gang most recently targeted a 74-year-old woman leaving a store. The bandits were seen following her and then went attack, snatching her purse and jumping into a silver getaway car. These women are striking throughout central Florida, said the police department. They target elderly people, known to females. They dress up as nurses to get people to relax, so they think that they can get away with anything. Detectives have said that several women are a part of this gang of thieves. They're seeking one specific lady described as heavyset with very short hair. She can be mistaken for a man. Is about 21 years old and believed to uh, live in central Florida. That was the one story. Oh, I th- I'm sorry. I thought we were doing a passel of Florida stories. Oh, do you want to do them all? Now? Well, let's do one more here. All right. Crouching ninja bandits are robbing liquor stores throughout central Florida. Several men dressed in ninja costumes are forcing people into a cooler at gunpoint in four robberies in central Florida. The latest robbery uh, happened outside of uh, Orlando. Surveillance video shows the bandits running into the business in crouching positions and then forcing a woman into a cooler at gunpoint. Both had weapons in their hands. This is the third of these robberies in a week, investigators said. Uh, four crimes are also similar to this, but they're not certain that they're related. Apparently, there are different teams of crouching ninjas robbing places in Florida. Of course. It's kind of scary, said a customer. I guess it would be. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. When we uh, return around the corner, we'll have Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. More from Tim Riley, the top five. And then uh, next hour, we'll do the uh, 14 songs that no longer need to be played on barroom jukeboxes. Uh, oh, well, plus we'll play the uh, the trailer for that Hurl TV show. Uh, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Sarah's sexually uh, objectifying people. I don't look at you as a person. You just look at me as a sexual object, Sarah? <laughs> we should explain what we're talking about here. Um, so we just went into the kitchen and there was this book laying on the table uh, called The Porn Trap, which sounds great. It sounds like a thing that they sucker you into with just like piles of boobs. Uh, and then like a cage comes in and go, I've been caught in a porn trap. This is downright disturbing. It is a self-help book about overcoming one's love of pornography. The is essential it not? guide to overcoming problems caused by pornography. You know, por- pornography is not a problem. It's nothing but solutions, Sarah. Um, and so it is. And so Sarah, just, we were just in the kitchen. And it's one of those piles of books that like the, the publisher will send to us. And then it just, uh, you know, it just sits there and like nobody wants them. Nobody. And it's always because they want you to interview the author. Would you like to interview the author of blah, 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 and the answer is always no. And so then the books just sit there because Powell's rejected them and wouldn't buy them from me, which is what I do. <laughs> books just stack up and they go to Powell's. Uh, sometimes though, Powell's won't buy things. And then they just got to come back and they sit in the kitchen like unwanted food, waiting, for, just like in the kitchen. Now, if you go to the kitchen now, by the way, there's an empty pizza box. 
and I opened. I was glad to see it was empty because then I didn't have to fight off the urge to eat it. Wow, couldn't have been there very long. Lots of salad though. Why? No one wants it. So there's... there was pizza, and we didn't see it. Yeah, uh, there's one piece of eggplant pizza left. You knock yourself out. So that'll be there tomorrow. I'm... Well, because no one wants to eat that. I don't so... think I'm ever gonna eat again after that curry. Yeah. No, that curry that'll tear you up. Yeah, you gotta be careful with that. But we go into the kitchen, so there's unwanted salad, and there's a book on the table called The Porn Trap. And Sarah just picks it up and begins reading aloud from it. And it was the greatest. It was the. It's like, I. What did you. It was. And it was written like in first person perspective. Sarah opened it up, and the sentence she read out loud was like, I do not view you as a person. I view you as an outlet for my sexual desires. Giving everything, getting nothing in return. I sexualize you and view you only as a physical being. And, like, Adam from the Pim Squad sort of wandered in the kitchen as she was saying it. And he was just like, hey, now. So, anywho, there's that There's yeah, that I'm funny never going to be able to find this again, ever. All right. All right. Now, we'll have to leave that book in the studio for some light reading. Oh, I believe so. Who wants to do more news with Tim Riley? I want to hear more about the uh, the porn trap. Oh, well, okay. Let's see. Wait, hold on. Let me Pick find, out anything, really. Let's see if I can find some appropriate... Let's see if I can uh, find some appropriate uh, music for you. Here. Richie, don't come into the studio. All right. I'm looking at you right now in a sexual way, whether you like it or not. Never uh, mind the fact that I don't know your name, care to know your name, or have any idea who you are. I really don't care about you. You serve as an object for my sexual pleasure. I only care about how... Oh, God. No, I don't want to read anymore. You're oh, right. come on. All right. Are you just afraid it's going to be excerpted? Yes, totally. <laughs> Let's see. Um... I'm looking at you right now in a sexual way, whether you like it or not. Never mind the fact I don't know your name, care to know your name, or have any idea who you are. I don't really care about you. You serve as an object for my sexual pleasure. I only care about how sexually aroused you can make me feel. That's the part I didn't want to say. We refer to this process as pornifying someone, says this adult author. Seriously. Pornifying someone? Really? It involves... This is fantastic. I'm just going to sit and read this book out loud. This will get us a ten share. Who wants to know what pornifying somebody is? Oh, I do. It involves looking at people in a sexual way and essentially turning them into a character in a live, ongoing porn production. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> this, it, it's so well written. Like Even like the dirty stories about it. And it's just like, Missy had a problem with pornography. She couldn't stop from watching the scrambled porn. Read us a dirty story. <laughs> She was blowing on a conch. Um, seriously, I don't understand the problem here. It involves turning people into a character in a live, ongoing porn production. What's wrong with that? Pornifying is a form of sexual objectification that tries to turn real life and real people into the same kind of fantasy portrayed in pornography. The more we look at porn and get aroused by it, the more likely... I love the idea that somehow you have to try to be aroused by pornography. That is, The more likely we are to experience the consequence of pornifying people in real life. What? Why does that happen? Because these websites increasingly use audio. Oh, and so you go to a website and there's the hello thing. All right, okay. We can do. You know, we should do that at some point. What? Identify the identify the annoying soundbite from this website. All right, how about this one? Martha. A middle-aged artist told us she became concerned with how her porn use was affecting her when she realized how much she was pornifying the people in her life. She didn't even care to know their names. She's used them as sexual objects. It's more than merely noticing sexually attractive people, she'd say. I'd go for a run in the park and reflexively scrutinize everyone I saw as to how sexually stimulating they were to me. So she, she pornified them in she her did. mind. 
I felt like an alcoholic who couldn't go to a sports game or a grocery store without sampling the booze. A guy, wait for it, a guy might be praying in church, and I'd wonder how exciting he would be without his clothes on. Wow. Let's see here. Um, mm-hmm, let's see. I didn't realize there's a big dip. This is Robert. I didn't realize there's a big difference between using someone for sex and experience, or I'm sorry, sharing a sexual experience with them. Uh, let's see. How about let's see. Um, I'm trying to find more stories here. There was, I was reading a great one about Mindy or something, and she. Um, she realized that she had a problem. She was looking at pornography up to four hours a day. Really? Maybe and that, and how her, Williams to read that. And how like her father touched her when she was young. And the, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at the yeah. father touching her. But of course, <laughs> but that's but that's right. With every time there's something like this that they want to tell you is wrong, they always thought, well, did Daddy touch you? I mean, I I love Doctor Drew, but every time somebody call, like you'll get these women who will call Loveline, and um, and they'll be like. Well, so anyway, um, you know, my boyfriend and I are, uh, you know, we're just, I have a question about safe sex, because my boyfriend and I are going to be branching out, and, you know, we want to bring some other people, you know, and a little sizzle, and so uh, I'm going to have sex with a football team while my boyfriend watches, and so I just wonder, you know, what's the lubricant I should use for that? And, and Drew immediately goes, uh, not, uh, Cindy, i got to ask you, so you were, um, were you molested as a child? Is it the, did you have an uncle who uh, tried to kiss you? You know, and it's always... The, it, the, that sucks, too, because it's like something that seems, you know, so small that an adult can do to a child, and it messes you up for life. Well, see, but I was going to go the opposite way, which is to be like, I think Drew tries to, like, find abuse at the bottom of some girls who are just slutty. Sometimes you're just a whore. I mean, which I say is a but fine, you know, there's nothing part, wrong with somebody that. Somebody was touching, the, it seems like a lot of them are like, I know, because I have, you know, some slutty friends, and a lot of it, I mean, I know them, too, and a lot of them have... Like a kind of daddy loves her too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, now why do you have to ruin it for you? I like the fact that your friends are slutty. Now you've taken that joy. Now I can't feel good about it. Now every time I see one of your slutty friends, I'm just going to be sad. Uh, let's see here. Um, mm, let's see. Oh, here's the one about how a priest inadvertently fueled desire in pornography. Oh. Let's see. During movie night, the priest in charge would hold a handkerchief over the parts of the film where there was sexual interest between partners. His holding a handkerchief over their private parts made it... <laughs> made me want to put a handkerchief over my private parts. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see here. Um, what did it do? Oh, uh, it made, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, it made, me, made him want to go look at private parts, apparently. Um... Porn, did you know, Sarah, porn stars frequently undergo genetic cosmetic surgery? That's not true. No. I call, but that's BS. I call BS. Genetic cosmetic surgery? What does that mean? It seems like there's... Oh, I'm sorry, not genetic, genital. Okay. Genital, but, but I don't, that's not true either. Gotta get snapped back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm saying I remember like... Genetic- Mama needs her elasticity. <laughs> I remember reading about Jenna Jameson how she had to get all like reconstructed. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, you do that for so long, and you're bound to... Okay. Sweater in the hanger. <laughs> yes, it is. Let's see here. Um, I'm trying to find one more... Uh, I'm trying to find one I more find, story. I really want to find the Marie one about her and her sad I don't delve know. into... Let's see. How about the Megan? No, that's not... Paula. Well, let's see. Hitting bottom. Where I come from, hitting bottom means something else, by the way. <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> 
Thanks, no, thank you so much. Um, let's see here. Here's one about Marie who would compulsively pleasure herself to porn on cable. This is that's Marie. That's really? what I was talking about. Yeah. Let's see here. Well, it's not so funny though that her husband dies. The kids would be asleep and I'd go on the internet and spend hours clicking away, looking at all the free porn. I'd look at practically anything. Whatever popped up, I'd click into, except for the really perverted stuff. Right, sure. Slut. Uh, don't lie to me, Marie. I watch all kinds of porn except for the really perverted stuff. Seriously, what does that even does mean? It mean anything, yeah. It's all really perverted. It's porn. That's the whole point. Well, I looked at the clean porn. What does that even mean? Through the sheet porn. I would look at practically anything. Whatever popped up, I would click into, except for the really perverted stuff. I have to be very careful here, but I'm wondering what would she call really perverted stuff? I think she's making this up as she goes along. Let's see. I let's, think that she started, Marie wait. started to be a little too honest. I think, rain back. hold on, I, hold, you know these people live in Eugene, Oregon, the people who wrote this book. Awesome. Okay, but you know what, in case we wondered what the uh, motivation behind this book was, and the mindset that wrote this book. Jesus! Here's, here's, here's where it's all laid bare, you'll forgive the pun. Here's where we know uh, now what the mindset behind the book is. Marie says, the kids would be asleep, and I'd go on the Internet and spend hours clicking away, looking at all the free porn. I'd look at practically anything. Whatever people, uh, I'm sorry, whatever popped up, so to speak, I would click into, except for the really perverted stuff. After a while, though, I found myself going places on the Internet I never thought I'd go to. For example... I found myself going into the homosexual chat rooms. What? It wasn't so much to see what they were saying. I never talked to anybody. But they had pictures that were just unreal. I couldn't believe them. But they had pictures. I'm sorry. Some were pretty bizarre, but mostly they were groups of men, all aroused, sometimes in unbelievable situations. I found myself going to the homosexual chat room more and more. All right, so there you go. That's fantastic. That doesn't make any sense. Like, no, it doesn't make any like, sense why, at all. Why is she so, talking about that? So she's that? a woman. So who, uh, is the end of this that she becomes a gay man? I mean, is that like the end? Is that the end of the road for her? Before yeah, I knew it, I was a gay man. She's like, why is that a problem for her? Because it's not even an option for her. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 maybe she wants what she. Okay, have. I have to be very careful here, but I'm just here's, I'm just going to read this one final thing. By the way, this is these are written. This is written by doctors. Uh, this is a, they are a sex therapist and educator. Doctor recommended. No, this is a, you know, we're reading this is of sociological interest. We're reading this now in the public interest, convenience, and necessity. So listen, ask ladies, say ladies, say mom. You're so relatable. Tell me if this sounds like a problem. I was going to say to you, Sarah, but I mean to you and maybe to women in general. Tell me if this sounds like something that is bad. This is Marie. She says, in addition, I began, uh, let's see, I began feeling like I was losing control of my mind and body when I would do that to myself i would start clicking away and hours would go by the next thing i know it was late in the morning now listen to what she says here this is allegedly a problem for you ladies this woman says several times i would be looking at porn on the internet clicking whatever i could and suddenly i would reach a state of physical fulfillment without ever having done anything to myself <laughs> i didn't read that part sort of like uh you've heard of spontaneous combustion that is so funny because i was going to go with spontaneous like combustion rubbing two sticks together yes but imagine you make a big brilliant fire mm -hmm. <laughs> that's like a bad country song <laughs> afternoon delight 
So, yes, apparently, uh, Tim, without rubbing sticks together, uh-huh. a fire was created. Hmm. No, as, as she puts it, it was a no hands that, 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 that. Uh, sticks rub themselves together. But, I mean, seriously, she says without even, without doing anything, just by watching, suddenly that would happen to her. Does that sound like a problem to you? I've got to stop this. All of this spontaneous pleasure in my body has to be stopped because God hates it. All right. Jesus. God damn people are messed up. God, that is the greatest book ever. It's like a gift from God. You know what else is a gift from God? Let's segue right from this into our good friend, Mr. Skin, from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Hello, sir. Rick, what's up? You know, I'm sorry we got to you a little late today. Our, our schedule's gone a little, uh, a little oh, hinky. No problem. Huh? I'm always, uh, it's never a problem. Uh, I'm always having a good time over here, so I'm never, uh, never put off, never in a bad mood. There are no bad oh, days yeah, at your no, office. No, there's no bad days in my world. If they, if they got rid of female nudity in film and changed it all to guy nudity, that would be a bad day, but it, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, my friend, what is up in the world of nudity for you? Well, Get Smart's the big movie that opens in theaters this weekend with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway is Agent 89. Now, back in the day, Barbara Feldon and, and uh, uh, Don Adams obviously starred, and Barbara Feldon never did a nude scene, but Anne Hathaway has been very naked. Now, people might remember Brokeback Mountain more for the, for the guy stuff, but Anne Hathaway was actually topless in that movie. But if you want to see the best movie to see Anne Hathaway naked, check out a movie called Havoc from 2005. Um, she shows her cones of silence three different times. Some very good uh, nudity from Anne Hathaway, and it's a, a, it's cool because she was the girl in Princess Diaries, which is like a Disney film, and then goes from that to Havoc, where she's completely naked with uh, Hispanic gang members and crazy stuff. So uh, Get Smart opens in theaters. No nudity in the PG-13 film, but great skin from Anne Hathaway in her past. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, Californication Season 1 is out on DVD, David Duchovny's series. And um, what's cool about it, not only is it a very good show, but they have lots of nudity throughout the episodes. And one of the girls that has been naked or was naked in Season 1 is Madeline Zima. I don't know if you remember, the sh- well, you, you remember, Rick, the show The Nanny, but she played the little girl on The, on the Nanny back in the 90s. She's all grown up and getting naked in Californication, which is pretty cool. So uh, if you're a fan of The Nanny, uh, the Fran Drescher show, and uh, uh, want to see a uh, uh, child star all grown up, Madeline Zima's Naked in Californication, which is out on DVD this week. Hey, somebody asked me a question. This is speaking of child star, somebody emailed me a couple weeks ago, and they said they wanted to know if, as an adult, and I believe before her cosmetic surgery, if Soleil Moon Fry had ever done any nudity. Great question. Uh, she She did a movie... Uh, she's never been naked. Uh, she did a movie called Mind Games, which probably came out about 1996, where you could see her in a bra, and, and Punky Brewster, who we're talking about here, grew up to, they, she should have changed her name to Punky Boobster, because she got very big in the chest, and uh, you could see her in a bra in Mind Games, but uh, Punky Brewster never did a nude scene, unfortunately. And finally, somebody sent this. They said that, and I have not read this anywhere, but they said that uh, that she is apparently, Scarlett Johansson has now said in several places that if Barack Obama wins the election, she will reward the country by doing nudity. Well, if that doesn't get the vote out, nothing will. So. I'm going to get to my polling place right now. <laughs> Great one. All right. Thank you, my friend. As right, always, Rick. a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Take care, man. There you go. Mr. Skin at MrSkin.com. Excellent. Honestly, I don't place. think that guy's ever in a bad mood. No, because why would you be? That's true. I mean, he creates the porn trap is what he does. All right. Do you see the, the, the passage that I... I did. That's really weird. But, I mean, who gets... I, gotta, I, gotta, I have to stop this.
what woman would go to the, I'm sorry, doctor, I, I can't stop the pleasure from happening in my body. You have to turn it off somehow. Uh, let's see here. This, uh, this book is kind of disturbing me. Like, I can't put it down. What do you mean it's disturbing? And all these, like, weird, I don't know, like, they just see, like, too much information in here. Yeah, but you'll keep reading I'd it. Say. Oh, totally. You know what it is? The porn trap book is itself its own kind of porn trap, because you're finding it sort of strangely, uh, sort of strangely compelling. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. It is me. Yes, it is. You're on KCMD Portland. How can I help you? Well, um, I heard about the, uh, uh, a couple things. First off, I heard about that, uh, Asian text on a website question. Yeah, uh, so we had a question because a lot of Asian languages are read uh, right to left, bottom to top. And so the question, if you go to an Asian website, you have to scroll all the way to the bottom and then go back up. Well, um, usually, like with the Japanese language, I've taken some classes, you would write a letter and you would read from the top of the page down in columns. But on a standard website, you just read uh, left to right. Oh, well, all right then. And uh, another thing about the whole infomercial thing, I remembered an observation I had made, like, you ever notice how whenever they say, are you tired of messing up your vegetables? And it shows someone with, like, a meat cleaver just hammering away. <laughs> and, you know, like, I totally remember that. Of course you're going to have trouble because you're just some spastic freak just trying to maul your vegetables. Let me uh, chop up this tomato with a plate. Seriously. I totally or, remember or, that. And do you, or, remember, do you remember this? You remember how they always slice tomatoes? Whisper thin. It's oh, yeah. Always whisper thin. thin. That's how what you slice tomatoes. I don't really know either, but we all know that's it. It's not even an adjective. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, thank you, my friend. All righty. All right, there you go. I do remember that. Are you tired of mashing? And then it's a guy like trying to slice potatoes, but you're like, you're like using a meat tenderizer. Uh, you know, sexuality educator Jack Johnson. Right here in the book. I'm reading uh -oh. it from the book. Anywho, uh, let's see here. Sometimes I mentally superimpose porn on my girlfriend. <laughs> wow. All right. I was reading one with a 26-year-old guy who was addicted to porn, and he couldn't get aroused for his girlfriend anymore because he had too much of that porn junk in his head. I'm just, uh, I'm reading this. I'm reading the, or a woman says, I can, she's talking about trying to, uh, I don't know, with her boyfriend or whatever. There's some sort of uh, a problem trying to get his boyfriend to open up or whatever. She says, I swear to Christ, she says, this is about an emotional connection. But she says in this book about porn, after that night, I continued desperately trying to pull things out of him. <laughs> Anywho, she's talking about love. Yeah. After that night, I continued desperately trying to pull things out of him. Get out of there. All right. I'm going to put that over there. All right. Well, let's not take a break. Um, should we do goth or not? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, now, Richie, we'll take caller number five now to play goth or not. We'll take, you know, caller five, but then keep a couple folks on the line after that, because who knows. Uh, we'll take caller number five now, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, we are going to be giving away a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 T-shirt. If you miss Backlash on Sunday, April 27th, you still have time to catch the replay. Fallout from WrestleMania 24 with Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Batista, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Edge, and all your favorite superstars seeking revenge at Backlash. Contact your pay-per-view provider today and find out how you can catch the replay of Backlash. Uh, so we'll now take uh, call number five at 503-733-2970. If you're a chance at a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt in support of Backlash 2008. So uh, we'll take that now. 
Uh, and we will endeavor to do uh, a game of uh, goth or not uh, here in just one moment. Here, let's see what else haven't we done? Oh, you know we gotta. Let me, while we're doing that, let me play the hurl trailer uh, because we still haven't done that. Yeah, I still haven't heard it. Yeah, I'm gonna play. This is the trailer. Now we we had the guy from G4 uh, on the other day to talk about this new show they're gonna be launching in July. Called, and he promised to come back on when the show launches. The show called Hurl, which is like. It's this game show where they force feed these guys, you know, like all of this disgusting food, and then they put them on like a thing that, like a, like a, like some sort of a, like an a ride or some sort of a, like you have to do it, like some sort of an endurance feat that involves basically your stomach being jiggled around a lot, and the last guy to vomit wins. Uh, so you can see the trailer at rickemerson.com, but I'll just play the audio for you now. This is the this is the commercial currently running for this upcoming show, Hurl. I love this country. This is like Ow My Balls, but with vomit. There's something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch. <laughs> I mean, how great is that right there? Wow. That's, I mean, that, right off. This is Ow My Balls. That's exactly what There's it is. something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch. <laughs> Introducing Hurl, a bold new direction in competitive eating. Five contestants enter an intense eating challenge. Mm -hmm. Then they face stomach-churning tests of stamina. Oh. The last competitor to blow groceries wins a cool grand. Oh. I'm starving <laughs> for win. I'm starving for food. That's a good combination. Eat it! Eat it! I freaking hate chicken pot pie. Don't puke, brother. Don't puke. Eat more. Taking a step foot in those gyroscopes. I was ready to puke. You really can't do I'm ready for anything like this. Competitive eating and nausea-inducing stunts make Hurl the most gut-wrenching show ever. Oh! He's gonna barf. Just relax, let go, and Hurl. Premieres July 15th, only on G4. The number one movie in America was ass. <laughs> and that's what it was for two hours. I mean, God, how really? great is that? There's something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch. <laughs> and they were like, I freaking hate chicken pot pies. And then they're all just like, eat, hurl, eat, hurl. And then that air horn that's constantly going off in the background. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like a joke, but it's real. So you can see the trailer. You don't actually see any vomiting in the trailer. They blur it, but um, they put, like, a G4 logo over the vomit. But uh, you can see that at rickemerson.com, uh, by the way. So, all right. Hey, um, uh, Richie, so I'm looking at Caller 5 here. Is this – the name is the same. This is a different – this isn't the same – this isn't the same guy with that name that we talked to, like, in the first hour of the show, right? I want to make sure. Okay, that's what I thought. I just double-checked. And I should have known better as a screener, Richie. All right. Why? Hello. Who's this? This is Andy. How oh, you doing? Hello, my friend. How are you today? I'm good. I'm about to hurl, though, so... Really? Quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch. Thanks. All right. Are you ready to play Gothic or not, sir? Yes, sir. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, I will read to you... Um, rather than reading the both of them back-to-back, -back, I'm just going to read you one Gothic poem. You are to tell me whether this is real Gothic poetry I found on the Internet or whether it is gothic poetry that I myself have written. <laughs> okay? Uh, yes, sir. All right. Sarah, uh, you just uh, you you gonna tell, but you... mouth it to me. You you tell me. Do I do a real one? Oh, I guess that doesn't work. If you tell me which whether I do a real one or a fake one. Um, just whisper it loudly. All right. So here's the thing. Um, yeah, without without revealing it, Sarah, on the air, you tell me, should I do a real one or a fake one? 
All right. Okay, sir. I heard that. <laughs> There's something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch. All right, sir. I'm now going to read a piece of Gothic poetry. At the end of this, you must tell me if it's Gothic poetry that I myself wrote or if this is Gothic poetry I found on the Internet. All right? I'm with you. All right, here we go, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, it is goth or not. This is titled The Fall. The Ankh falls painfully into a pool of blood. My Ankh, my blood, my pain. Agony wrenches at my heart. Love is unreachable. I fall into despair. My heart bleeds its sorrow, and my Ankh no longer has meaning. Alone for endless hours, hating this solitude, yet unable to do anything that would bring me company of the kind I seek. Alone, so alone, as always, alone, with my unk, with my blood, with my pain. All right, sir, is that real gothic poetry from the Internet, or did I write that this morning? Uh, yes, that's real. If that's not real, I'll jump off the nearest bridge. Sir, you are correct. That is, in fact, real gothic poetry I found on the Internet. How do you so, spell onk? Uh, a, I, that, that's what gave it away. What's an onk? A-N-K-H. It's an Egyptian symbol. It's that thing that looks like a oh, cross thingy, with a loop at yeah. the top. Yeah, oh. It's the thing that Vinnie Vincent wore on his face when he was in Kiss. Yeah, I think it's pronounced... Well, never mind. Is it ank? I, I think it's onk. I thought it was onk. Oh, it's onk, I think. Onk, okay. It doesn't matter. You got it right. All right, my friend. Uh, you win a copy, the furthest thing from goth, you win a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the Backlash 08 t-shirt. Uh, that is a, uh, a recap of WrestleMania 24, my friend. Oh, my God. Can we give that to charity? I'm just kidding. There's something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch. All right. Thank you, my friend. I'll put you on hold. Richie, uh, talk to that guy. Get his information. Let him know that he uh, won that. All right. There you go. I got like nine more of those. Do that, that was awesome. Do that every, isn't that fantastic? I found that poem this morning on the that's internet. A, that's a great concept. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, and I'm such a poor contester. I'm just going to ring that for every every possible day that I can. Um, Jesus. I don't even know. I don't know if we have time to do anything else here. It's like an awkward sort of time, right? It's like 15 after? Yeah. We don't have time to do the 14 songs you can't play on a jukebox. Yeah. There's just no time. Uh, let's see, we did the Hurdle thing, we did Mr. Skin, we did Goth or not. You know what we should probably do? More of the porn book? I suppose. Well, let's see here. What else do we have? I mean, I got I got a bunch of other sort of smaller stuff here okay. to do, but I, uh, let's see here. Um, let me see if I can, let's see if I can find one more of these. Like one more, um, one more porn horror story. And then we'll just take a break and we'll come back and we'll sort of get a hold of it. You know, we always run out of time in the top five. Mm. We always have to rush through it. Are we going to do the top five or are we going to do the top Oh my God! Five? Oh, God, what? I just read the most horrifying... Wow. Here's the thing. I'm not even going to... I'll just leave the blank blank. I won't even use a euphemism here. One day... One day, Hannah came home early from work. Oh. I swear to God, this is how it's written. And found her husband, Ricardo, in front of the living room computer. 
The room was dark. And smelled like blank. Wait, I don't even know what the blank would be. Can you mouth it? <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody could. Oh, ew. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, no. What do you mean that? <laughs> he wasn't know. going to the bathroom. No, uh, the other side. <laughs> the other side, God. Uh, the, the room was dark and smelled like blank. It was really obvious he had been blanking his blanking his blank. That's really gross to think that a room would smell like that. Yeah, there you go. You want? I really regret having you pick that you, up. That book. You wanted one more. Okay, we should break. Yeah. Take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, we'll do the top five and more. You stay there. It's the. Rick Emerson Radio. Yeah. Oh, she beat you. Yeah. Like somebody just put John Elway's face on a uh, female body. Wow, that's not that's not pretty. Yeah. Anywho, it's 503-733-2970. Let's make sure it's the same person. Let me let me see the photo. I heard? Wait, I can't. It's gone. I made it bigger. God loves CBS Radio on their lightning fast internet. Seriously. <laughs> really? It's the narrowest band internet access ever. It's dial-up. All right, there we go. Jesus. Is that her? Oh, yeah, that's her. Oh, yeah, no, that's totally. And you know who takes that kind of photo. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's Tim. Let's well, move it on. looks like there are too many teeth for her head. <laughs> Like, She's like smuggling those things. It's <laughs> like Nancy Kerrigan. Thousand teeth. Um, all right. Anywho, uh, you know, in the kitchen, there's this big box. Tim pointed it out. There's leftover salad from upstairs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's just a big thing of iceberg lettuce. You know, it's like, one, you know what Big Jim noted this? He put this exactly. You know what iceberg lettuce is? Iceberg lettuce is the packing peanuts of the vegetable world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It takes up space. No, you know, Iceberg lettuce has no nutrition. I mean, I guess there's no calories, but there's no nutritional value to that at all. No calcium, no whatever. It's not like I'm a big salad guy, but if I'm going to have a salad, I mean, you know, you, you get like an actual green salad with like spinach or, you know, romaine lettuce or whatever. Iceberg lettuce, it's like it doesn't even, there's no point to it. It doesn't even need to exist. It really just is packing peanuts. The way to get rid of that is to dump some chocolate on top of it. <laughs> take, a, take, take a chocolate rabbit and melt it in the microwave and just dump it on top of that We got about two minutes. Or just cover it in bacon or bacon bits. All right. In a moment, we'll do the top five. This is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Okay, this is going to make you hate uh, even more. Me, specifically? Yes, I'm afraid that it's news. i got to talk about it. All right. Because it's going to be a big story later on. And we knew this was going to happen anyway. Oh, no. The outcome of this story. No, no, no. Is this it about is the gay marriage My... thing, isn't it? No, it isn't. Is it about the MySpace family? No. Okay. It good. is about the boy who died, the 16-year-old. The, the religious nutcase parent. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the 16-year-old boy, along with his parents who believed in faith healing, they went to this church in Gladstone in Milwaukee, one of these places. The boy who died as a result of the autopsy results are in. Inflammation of his urinary system that was treatable 
The deputy state medical examiner said it was a horrible way to die. Uh, he was unable to urinate. He was uh, eventually all the urine ruined his bladder, kidneys, and heart. I mean, it's hard to believe that it, Jesus it, didn't step in to cure that. It though. could have been treated with the use sure of a catheter. Of course, of course, it all all of this stuff could be treated. You know, every time somebody dies, you're right. It's making me hate. Every time somebody dies from faith healing. By the way, and Todd the corpse, God bless him, pointed this out. That, you know, faith healing. Is there ever been a more inaccurate? Nothing is ever healed by faith. Nothing. There is faith, as you said, faith killing. That's it. So, whenever somebody dies like this, it's never from cancer, right? That's the thing about faith healing. Like a, a person who believed in faith healing was killed by an inoperable brain tumor. That's never it. It's always like a person who was believed in faith healing was killed by something that any number of over-the-counter remedies would have solved. Now, apparently, state law allows minors 14 and under. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, to make such decisions. Yet they can't, he can't drive at 14, can't vote at 14, can't drink at 14, can't buy cigarettes at 14, but you can bind to your parents' retarded delusion that Jesus will come down and fix your bladder. He did, in fact, refuse treatment, and since he was 16. <sighs> Jesus. So uh, relatives and church members told them the teenager refused treatment for the disease, which he is entitled to do under Oregon law. Well, you know, whatever. So uh, he died Tuesday afternoon, surrounded by family members and board members of the church. Was it, does the story record whether the family members were surprised when he died? It doesn't say. I'd like to call. I'm really, I know it may, this makes me sound like a dick, but whatever. F them. Mm -hmm. I really would like to to get the family members on the phone and go. So were you shocked when he died? Did it, how much on a scale of one to ten did it surprise you when Jesus didn't miraculously step in to cure your child? So these are followers of the uh, the Christ Church. You know. It is a highly secretive group in Oregon City that is practicing this distinct brand of religion. You'd think that all be dead by now. Really? You think that they? You think that just natural disease would have killed all really? of them by now? You think that that would be natural selection at work? I mean, I don't. I don't even know how to feel. I mean, I'm torn on the kid though. I mean, if he himself was like, no, 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 God will heal me. I mean, on the one hand, you feel bad for him because he's been brainwashed by his delusional parents who cling to a fairy tale to cure their children of something. Uh, you know, on the other hand, I mean, I guess at 16, you know, uh, at 16, you are kind of, you know, of the age of reason. If you decide at 16 that you're going to, you know, you're going to wait for, uh, uh, you know, for a goblin to appear in your room and cure you of something, then I guess you get what you get, you know? So I, I just don't even know. But again, you would think that there's like a Darwin watch that they, none of these people would be alive at this point. Mm -hmm. Jesus, for the love of God. Well, let's find something a little cheery to make you smile. Wait, no, I had some other point about this. Uh, let's see. They were waiting on Jesus. You know, I was just going to say, if they're going to you know pray that God appears and cures their kid of like his uh, you know his bladder infection or whatever, um, well, never mind. Oh, this is the followers of Christ Church. At 19394 Malala Avenue. Where's that at? We're not, of course, I'm just wondering for, for matters of public record. Where is this at? It's the followers of Christ Church. It looks like 19394 Malala Avenue. I'm just going to put that address in the book because, you know, I don't have uh, I don't have their names. They didn't give the parents' names, did they? I do have the, uh, the boy's name is Neil Beagley. That's B-E-A-G-L-E-Y. I don't have the parents' name. Of course not. It's good to see that the parents are proud of their faith and they're stepping forward to put their names in the public record as having inadvertently, uh, you know, caused this. Um, all right. So what? The, so the the followers of Christ Church. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And what was the address? It looks like 19394 Malala Avenue. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Fantastic. The love of sweet holy Jesus. All right. Fantastic. All right. So let's have some make you smile. Really, Tim? Yeah. You're going to make me smile. I hope so. Right. <laughs> How about this one? A cook kid lost your tails in his pants. Police say a cook in a New York City restaurant was arrested after co-workers caught him trying to hide 15 lobster tails in his britches. Uh, they found that Ramundo Flores had 14 frozen lobster tails stuffed into his pants and bandages on his leg after two of Florida, uh, Flores' co-workers at Junior's Restaurant in Brooklyn caught him taking the tails and called 911. Workers at the restaurant said several lobster tails, which sell for $29.95 for two, which would probably be like 50 cents here, have been uh, noticed missing from the restaurant's freezer recently. Flores was uh, fired from the restaurant. He's charged with petty larceny and criminal possession of stolen property. You know, I don't know how care how tasty it is. You have to scrub a lobster a lot for me to eat it if it comes out of a guy's pants. I mean, smuggling something in a guy's pants makes it almost certain that I will never eat it. I don't care what it is. I mean, really, you could be, it could, you could actually pull the actual literal holy grail out of a guy's pants, and I think I'm going to give it a good long thinking before I decide to touch it. Hmm. Did you hear that Paris Hilton threw a temper tantrum over the weekend? Oh, man, boy, we should. Uh, I thought she existed. Pet store refused to sell her a puppy. Store workers told the socialite they believe it was an impulsive buy and banned her from the purchase. She threw a tantrum, and she started screaming, "I love my puppies! I want my baby!" Just, you know, Jesus. And she's, she's an adult. She's like my age. Jesus never intervenes where he ought to. Who throws a temper tantrum? I want my puppies. I want my babies. <sighs> Seriously. You need to be drafted and sent to Iraq. How great with that. <gasps> That's a great game show. We ought to have a game show where the country gets to vote and draft somebody. Yeah. That's a great idea. That is. There ought to be some show where the whole country gets to vote on somebody they want drafted in the military. Right. I guarantee you she'd top the freaking list. Mm-hmm. Her and Tila Tequila. Is that oh. her birth name? Tila, oh man, I heard Court and Fatboy were doing their, um, what was it called, the Dirty Laundry or whatever. It's like their celebrity news. And it's like they, they were talking about Tila Tequila, who just, and, and it's like Court hates her as much as I do. And he at one point made Fatboy just stop reading the story because it was making him too angry. Just as the story was going on and on and on. And Court finally just had to cut the story short because every time the, the name Tila Tequila got uttered, Court just got angrier and angrier and angrier. And like me, for, like, she's never done anything to me. You know what I mean? It's like she's never, I've never met her, never talked to her. It's just her existence infuriates me for some reason. All right. Um, I'll take a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, and then we'll do the top five. What's up? Hey, Rick, it's Dave. Um... Number one, uh, I leave next week to go to the Wynn Casino. Thank you for the trip. Oh, yeah, this is the guy who won the trip to the Wynn. Enjoy awesome. enjoy the sweetly scented air that fills that bastard. place, by the way. You, you bastard. Heaven on earth. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, – I grew up in Oregon City, and that uh, the church that the uh, followers there, we always had a name called the, the Kissers um, because they were kind of kissing cousins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my uh, first job at a gas station, whatever – the guy that owned it had to got he got kicked out of the church. The whole family got booted because he wanted to oh I don't know live from appendicitis instead of die like an idiot. Yeah, and so yeah, that's just crazy talk right there. That yeah. You might want any of that. Uh, you might want any of that that actual healing, any of that medicine. Yeah, yeah. crazy. And by the way, y- yesterday's idea for the best action figure era ever was the uh, somewhat silver Sarah doll. Get that for my daughter any day. Thanks, really? Thank you. All right. Or you pull you pull the uh, wait. Hold on, I'm writing this down. I'm going to do a little thing tomorrow. 
I was thinking about that yesterday because it's exactly you know, the same amount of syllables as Darkly Dreaming Dexter. Mm-hmm. So much over Sarah. It works. Okay. And it's sad. All right. I'm writing down a little thing for tomorrow. Okay. You know, here's it. Richie, I see these people calling about the, the church and the Christ and the healing and the death. and the, I apologize. If you're on hold about the faith healing church, I just... I don't think I can take any more not of that. So we're, yeah, just, I just, we're not going to be able to do it. Let's do the top five instead. Here's your five, top five four, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson three, Show. Two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley with today's... Is it suddenly cold in here? It is. It's I feel a little like colder. chill. Yeah. We'll have to... Well, whatever. It's on the show's almost over. Here's Tim Riley with your top five. Stand in an air rubbing his arms together. MP3 music and streaming content of all varieties. It might be increasingly difficult to remember the album, the collection of songs put together, in an order chosen by the artist. Nothing was more prized than a fantastic beginning to a musical compilation. A comp- compendium? Compendium. Okay. Uh, these are the top five album opening songs of all time. These are the top five songs that open an album. And by the way... Why? I like them all. I see, but, you know, I, it was hard. Sarah was already, Sarah was already like, is such and such on the list? And I said, no. And I, there were several things that I wanted to put on the list that I had to leave off. I had to try to be sort of open-minded and broad about it. And not just run to the stuff that I would love to hear. So it's uh, it was some hard decisions to make here. Honorable mention goes to the Clash and London Calling. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not like the biggest Clash fan, but you got to give it up for this. This song gives me the chills. It really does. This just reminds me of riding around in a double-decker bus in London. It's a great song. It really is a truly great song. And they get points for using that London calling, which is the thing what they used in World War II. Did you ever see that thing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think it was, where it was Bruce Springsteen, Dave Grohl, and Elvis Costello all played this song together? No. It's like the best thing that's ever existed. I said, and I'm not like the hugest Clash fan, but it was Dave Grohl, Bruce Springsteen, and Elvis Costello at the same time all sang the song at once. Each of them, like three guitars, three singers all at once. It was so unbelievably righteous. Yeah. And this totally dates from, you know, you see a lot of this in that movie, The Filth and the Fury, about the Sex Pistols, from that whole era of, um, that whole era of, of Britain when everything was sort of just sliding into oblivion, you know, terrible unemployment, recession, social strife. I mean, it really, because it's kind of a distress call of a song. It really is, it's, it's pretty great. All right, these are the top five, I'm sorry, that's, I talked to a lot, top five album opening songs. Number five, you too. Where the streets have no name. Which is uh, the lead track on the Josh. We should have said, by the way, that London Calling opens the Clash album with the same name. This is the opening track on uh, Joshua Tree. I had to cut like 30 seconds off some of these because they take so long. Yeah. This is already, I think, 30 seconds of the song here.
It's a great build. Is this the video where they're on the roof? Like the Beatles? I think so, yeah. And the man comes and shuts them down. You know, the edge gets accused sometimes of just using that same guitar trick all the time, but it really works here. the top five album opening songs of all time. Number four, Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. From Brothers in Arms. I should know, by the way, that this is this is kind of cop from Shine on You Crazy Diamond by Pink Floyd. Which is that long? Totally. But then, man, what a liftoff, though. This is totally Pink Floyd here, but... But then the drums come in and that guitar. I mean, imagine starting a concert with this. You know, it's all pitch black. And oh, that'd be awesome. The lighters in the audience. just badass. There's just no way around that. I'm glad that I've waited about five years between hearing this song and now, because I just got so burned out on this. Like everybody in the 80s who just heard this song over, and you saw the video constantly, because it was like the first video to use CGI or whatever, and so it was this and Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel all the time. Oh, I hate that song. Yeah, I hate it too, just because, and I love Peter Gabriel. But I just got so burned out on all... Because they would do these, we're counting down the top videos ever made. And the top three were always the same. This and Sledgehammer and Thriller. Always. Great song. Boy, Mark Knopfler really, really regrets uh, writing uh, this song, though. A, because it got so overplayed. And B, because there's that whole kind of infamous second stanza that he says he really, really regrets writing because it was so taken out of... It was misinterpreted, as he said. I think this is, he said actually that this is a direct quote he wrote down. He heard some like del, like construction worker guys, some guys who were like delivering a TV. They were like literally unloading a truck and he heard them like bitching about guys on MTV and he like wrote it down and went home and wrote the song about it. These are the top five album opening tracks of all time. Number three of the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Sergeant, I mean, I'm not like the biggest Beatles historian. I don't think it holds together as well as some of their other sort of records front to back. Great way to start a record, though. 
I mean, if you listen to Sgt. Pepper, that whole conceit that it's like a fake band and that it's like a concert record kind of falls apart after the second song. But they, they open it strong. God, what a scream. What a voice. Top five album opening songs of all time. Number two, ACDC, Hell's Bells. Yeah, how great is this? And this is another one like Money for Nothing where it's like storm clouds on the horizon or something. And this was the first thing that anybody heard after Bon Scott died. That's why they start with they told the bell because Bon Scott had died. And this is the first thing anybody heard after Bon Scott died. This is 30 years old almost. Got a new album coming out, I think, next month. Jesus. I'm saying for me, uh, this is probably just in my assessment, out of my collection, I'd say this is the best rock record ever made. I mean, I can't think of a single rock album... Uh, it, it, it beats this one. I mean, just pound for pound. All right, what you say before we unveil number one here? So Sarah wanted to if uh, Bat Out of Hell uh, from the album of the same name was on here. No, sadly. Also, Welcome to the Jungle, which I wanted to put on here. No. Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. No. So I really had to, I had to think long and hard and sort of divorce myself from my own, you know, just try to do it objectively. So we are now counting down the top five album opening tracks of all time. Sarah, do you have any guess? No. All right. Tim? Number one, Prince. Let's get crazy. I would have never guessed that. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Greatest newsman in the history of the world back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Back after this to wrap it up, like us next. Michael Mara show at seven. We uh, continue around the corner. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. How uh, long do we have here? Two minutes. Well, that's an awkward period of time. If you want to sneak on before the end of the show, here's the phone number. It's 503-733-2970. Tomorrow, uh, we will have uh, on the program our good friend Chris Paddock from KUFO, who will be counting down the top five songs that start with sound effects. Well, that's tomorrow on the Rick Emerson show. The top five songs... Did Paddock tell you the story about his glasses, why he's wearing his backup pair? No, I didn't even notice that. Well, because now he's wearing like these little wire circles. Oh, I thought maybe he just switched out or something. No, he went out with a bunch of his friends last week and got totally drunk and fell on his face. Like nobody else we know. There's a lot of that going around. You know what I found? Like this past week, honestly, I have had several friends who have just been like, I have made the biggest idiot of myself. I'm kind of chilling out for a while. a huge mistake. They've just they've reached their own personal bottom. Yeah. Yeah. They've uh, they've had a moment of clarity. So it, yeah, he scratched his glasses, so he's wearing his backup pair all weekend. How did he, he fell on his face? Into I guess I should ask him tomorrow, maybe. But it, should, like yeah, into the him. ground. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. He didn't really clarify. It was at the CBS radio uh, lunch thing that we were at. Really. Well, no, it didn't happen there. No, oh, but he told you there. there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, fantastic. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, one minute. We'll take a uh, we'll take a couple phone calls. We got Lycus coming up at three. Uh, Michael Mara show at uh, seven and so forth. And, oh, and tomorrow we will do these uh, fourteen songs uh, that no one ever needs to play in a jukebox uh, ever again. And so, yeah, I'm curious about that. And tomorrow we'll also do another uh, goth or not. And then we got to figure out. I think on a, on Friday we got to do something where we have people bring in some of the shame food. Uh, that we were discussing yesterday. I'm not quite sure how we do that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. You forgot Beethoven, track one, side from the Fifth Symphony. LSD rocks. LSD's the bomb. Thank you, sir. People are weird. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey there. Hey. How about uh, no blister in the sun at all, or is it just all rock? Somebody suggested blister in the sun, actually. Somebody sent me an email about that. Uh, I got a guy who says, welcome to the jungles under the list. I'm going to cut your head off and put it in a bowling bag. So, I mean, you know, it, I tried to, to cast sort of a broad uh, net. Uh, I know my wife would agree with you on the blister in the sun uh, thing. So, yeah. All right. Sorry so, about that, my friend. Rich wife. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll... We'll end on that sort of awkward note. Uh, all right, yeah, so join us tomorrow, and we'll be uh, joined by Chris Paddock. We'll do the 14 songs, Never to Play in a Bar. We'll do another edition of Goth or Not, and then more of your phone calls and so forth. Uh, let's see. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, also, we haven't talked to Richie in a while. We'll bring Richie in tomorrow and find out what he's up to in his life. I miss Richie. Uh, let's see. Ray Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. It's Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper. Dave Zinn, director of engineering Brian. Jones, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan, don't F with me Reynolds, and of course we want to thank Randy in Las Vegas uh, for putting together the fantastic opening today with the various robot voices that you heard. Like us next, Michael Maris show at 7, and still then, uh, thanks for listening, be safe, don't let the bastards cranny down while they're watching for snakes. Bye now! There's something we've been meaning to bring up. Lunch.